0: Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hi, this is Caitlin Bassett, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime,
1: Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years
0: of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Dr. Ben Song risked everything when he used the Quantum Leap Accelerator to travel back in time. Now our team's working to find out why, as he leaps between bodies with no memory of who he is, he still has one hope, that his next leap takes him back to the place and people he calls home. Edison.
2: You are listening to the Quantum Leap podcast. This is episode one sixteen. Atlantis. No, wait, wait, stop! This. Oh.
0: I found Ben's phone. He left me a message before he leaped, telling me that there were going to be things that I found out about what he did that wouldn't make sense to me. I found this flash drive in the bookshelf.
3: Password encrypted, I mean, not really a surprise there.
0: Can you crack it?
3: Maybe, but I don't know, that's, that's really more of a gen thing.
0: The woman helping Ben is Janice Calavici.
3: Calavici? Like Al Calavici's daughter? Janice Calavici is a brilliant astrophysicist. Her father ran Quantum Leap for years. She knows as much about this project as
0: anyone. It makes sense Ben would go to her if he needed help. We have to at least consider the possibility that Ben has been co-opted by Janice. And if his memory suddenly comes back and his plan was to do terrible things the whole time, there's not a lot we could do to stop him.
1: The only safeguard we have is him not remembering
3: why he leaped or what his agenda is. I noticed that you didn't mention the little thumb drive that you found this morning or the message that Ben left for you.
0: I need to know what Ben was thinking.
3: I need to know what's on this drive. Well, then you should have given it to Jim. They don't trust him. I've got a lock on Ben. Holy shit. You're not gonna believe this. Ben is on the space shuttle Atlantis, March 7th, 1998. Oh, thank God.
0: Are you okay? I'm in a space shuttle. I know.
1: Who am I this time?
0: Uh, your name's David Tamora. He is... Tamora? Wait a
3: minute.
0: Do you remember him? It,
1: it,
3: David Tamora. Uh-oh. I, I
1: idolized him when I was
3: growing up. He immigrated to the U.S. from Japan and became an astronaut, and I immigrated from Korea and wanted to become an astronaut. I immigrated from Korea when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm remembering. Oh, God. Yes? David Tamara dies on his first mission, this
0: mission. We know. Ziggy says there's a 92% chance you're here to prevent that. How did David die? It was on a spacewalk. He got hit by debris. Okay. well, this is easy. As long as I don't want to leave this ship, then I can leap, right?
1: knocked out long-distance comms. We can't contact Houston. Okay. With Reynolds out, I'm in charge, and I'm making the call to return to Kennedy while our window's still open.
3: Yes, love this plan. Thing is, we can't land until we close the payload bay doors. Totally. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. In order to do that, we need to jettison that damaged ISS module.
1: The explosion fried our remote capabilities. And the
0: Canadarm arm got banged up and isn't responding. So,
1: we need you to get out there and toggle the manual release lever. You need me to- Suit up. We need you to do an emergency spacewalk.
2: Welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Philippus. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are discussing season one, episode two of Quantum Leap: Atlantis, in which we see Ben as a space, space shuttle. Space shuttle. He's not a pilot. He's a specialist, I guess, right?
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, plenty to discuss about that and. We will also be bringing you interviews this episode with Mason Alexander-Park, who plays Ian. And Susan Deal, who reprises her role as Beth Calavici, It was really exciting to meet Mason, and it was awesome to reconnect with Susan. Susan, as far as I'm concerned, Susan is the reason that we're doing this podcast in this form at this time, because she is the reason that Allison and I uh, got on mic together for the first time. Yeah, it was was our
4: first time speaking, is doing that (laughs) interview.
5: Wow.
2: (laughs) yeah matt
4: wasn't there Guys. but she she was she was incredibly nice especially because i was holding things up i was late so i'm gonna take the l on that one sorry susan <laughs> my official apology <laughs> i don't remember you being late i just
2: remember it being I, fantastic yeah, I mixed up the times
4: yeah okay Well, she was incredibly nice. Yeah,
2: yeah, she was. And she was as surprised to see uh, those uh, negatives of the lost ending as we all were at the time. So uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, we talk about it a little bit in our interview with Susan later as well. But long story short, Allison found the secret lost ending to Quantum Leap uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, it was because of that (laughs) special that we did that she and I knew that we had good chemistry on Mike. And then I said, we need a Brit. Oh, (laughs) that guy who wrote that book. Let's get him. And the rest
5: is history. Here we are. Well, now I feel like the third wheel after (laughs) like five years. Thanks, Chris. What do you mean? You've done stuff with the podcast before, though, right? Because of your book. I don't think so.
2: No, I
1: interviewed you,
5: dude. You you
2: were on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. You
5: interviewed me once, but I think other than that, the first time... I, I got a mic with either of you was when we did Runaway. You
2: and I, Matthew, Matthew Dale, uh, how you forget, you and I did that commentary
5: track for Hurricane together. Oh, yes, well. But, yeah, before. There there well, was there was like 30 people on that. I, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so. But we knew that
4: you were super knowledgeable. I think like at that point, it was sort of just a test run to see who could fill in uh, at the time. And it just worked, you know? Yeah. We, we were just yeah. like vibing, you know?
5: yeah yeah and i didn't need a brit i needed you thank you chris all right so i only took a second pass at that i appreciate it again
2: (laughs) everybody breathe easier did i just wreck the dynamic Hmm. (sighs) anyway hey strap in we have we have at least 11 more episodes to go right (laughs) yeah so yeah ben on the space shuttle New and exciting territory for Quantum Leap to cover. So I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, Why don't we start where we always do with some first impressions, Allison?
4: Well, it was better than the first episode. Matt?
5: (laughs) Our ringing endorsement. Oh, (laughs) dear. Oh, dear. (laughs) Is that that where you're landing on that one? Do do we go to me now? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Ooh, okay. Okay. yeah, I it it was better than the first one. Um, you know, I mean, we we spoke at length last week about um, some of the challenges the first one had, and for me, the the big challenge was the the fact that there was just too much squeezed into forty minutes. But mm. other than that, I enjoyed the first one. So the fact that I think this was better, um, I I see that as a good thing. It, it still it it brought across a lot of the things that I liked about the first episode, but was able to drop all the exposition dumps and it felt a lot more natural. Um, now as, as second episode's go, I thought this was uh, this was really good.
2: I'm going to mirror what you said there, Matt. I thought that this was a much better episode than the first one because we got to do some actual story instead of Mm -hmm. um, a ton of exposition and a ton of setup. So we are able to settle into the character dynamics a little bit better. There was a lot of good character stuff in this as far as I'm concerned, which I really liked. And I just love the setting of Bensley because I'm a space nerd. I have you know some issues with some of the physics or how they ignored some physics in this. But (laughs) that being said, it's so cool to see a leaper on, on the shuttle in space. Sure. So It reminded me of another favorite show I have uh, that Albie and I love to watch together, For All Mankind, which is on Apple TV, which is basically an astronaut soap opera. So, hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob.
1: Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob.
4: Hi, Bob. Albie, you'll get it. I was just thinking of the
2: wrestler Mankind when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode
5: that's
2: a uh, heart of a champion they gotta too. get Mankind on. if
4: you're gonna look look Quantum Leap if you're getting another wrestler involved get Ma- Mankind get Mick
2: Foley he'd be amazing on Quantum Leap Mick Foley's a really nice guy too so he'd come in a Santa suit right doesn't he do SantaCon? if they
4: got him to play Santa <laughs> yes <laughs> yes Mick Foley Santa
2: make it happen Deborah, are you
4: listening yeah Deborah, listen good, good buddy Deborah Pratt <laughs>
2: Nick Foley fellow Long Islander. I'm sure I could get yeah. in touch with him. He used to come to our yeah. TV station all the time. So he's probably on several season, different speed dials. Th- it it would legit
4: be amazing. And it would also be like the perfect kind of stunt casting because it would get people interested, but legit be awesome. <laughs> Would it though? Would it legit be awesome? <laughs> it would. You can't tell me. People would not. People were talking about. You know what? One of the most talked about things about New Quantum Leap is that Joe Montana ad that is most certainly not a leap because people are like, what is the. They got deep fake Joe Montana looking through a mirror and what? There's a new Quantum Leap. It got people talking. So if people found out that Mick Foley was on Quantum Leap playing Santa Claus, you would get eyeballs on that screen.
2: And he can't be any worse of an actor than Terry Crews was. Or is that, what was his name? Not Terry Crews. That's the dude from Everybody Hates Chris. (laughs) Terry Funk. Terry Terry Funk. Funk. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, Terry (laughs) Crews. You're actually a really good actor. But Terry (laughs) Funk, oh boy.
5: That was, yeah. Terry Funk was in his element. When you talk about getting wrestlers into sci-fi shows that are wrestlers that are not traditionally actors. My mind does not go to Heart of a Champion. My mind goes to that episode of Voyager that had The Rock in it. Before oh The God. Rock started doing acting.
2: De-
5: <laughs> he was uh, bad uh, in that. I'm doing a video on that right now actually. Good, good. That's as soon as you start talking about stunt casting involving a wrestler, that's all I can think of. Please oh, don't sure. do that to Quantum Leap. I think Mick Foley's not too bad though. I've seen him acting. Okay. He's he's not oh, the worst. Okay.
2: Good. Good. All right. From our mouths to mankind's ears. How did we get onto this? Yeah, I don't know. Because
4: oh, he was talking about his space show for all mankind. And oh, then I mentioned okay. wrestling. Okay. So we were talking about space stuff. Did you have more stuff to say about your show? Or can I jump in? with No, I don't have anything
2: more to say about my show. Can we talk about Quantum it. Leap now? Chris? Apple TV. Yes, right. let's let's talk about Quantum Leap.
4: Here's the thing. I really enjoyed the leap on this one, actually. I just wish I'd seen it. I don't feel like I saw it. I feel like I saw half of an idea here and then every time it got interesting all of the tension all of the interest was completely undercut because they had to keep cutting back to csi time travel and i just i <laughs> immediately was taken out of it i just everything that i predicted was going to happen when we were talking about fifty-fifty project leap stuff like there's just not enough time for this has happened it's exactly yeah. like i said you, it's just neither story is serviced very well and the um the stuff going on in the present day, it's not going to be very rewatchable. I've got to be honest. Once you find out what the mystery is, I'm not going to want to come back to watch it. I don't particularly like it now, but I think if you are interested in in where that storyline is going um, and once they get to whatever the mystery is, I don't hmm. know watching it back if it's going to be that compelling.
2: Hmm. It's funny you say that because I did have similar feelings to you in in the fact that I think that um, they could strike a better balance between the two. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's very much like it's almost the show's competing with each other.
4: I think they need to bookend it with project stuff and minimally cut to it during yeah. the yeah. leap.
2: That might be, but I, I feel like what they're what they're trying to do is set up more of the character dynamics back at the project, which, you know, your mileage obviously varies from mine on that. I thought that this was a stronger episode in that I got a better feel for all of the ensemble and I think that they had much better stuff to do here for the most part. There was a um, good good relationship building uh, that, that I saw. I mean, we had little clicks forming between Addison and Ian. We had a little click between Magic and Jen. We even learned that Magic and Beth are basically old friends at this point. So uh, they, they built some interplay and some uh, some dynamic that wasn't there in the pilot because it was just too rushed. And it was a lot more naturalistic here. I'm not going to say that you know there weren't any problems, but they came across as more naturally friends in this.
4: It was better than the pilot because they weren't doing as much exposition Mm. with the project stuff. I liked the scenes with Addison and Ian kind of working together on this. Uh, I think Jen had better stuff to do. I still feel like they're stretching to find reasons for her to to have more to do the fact that they say she's the one that does the hacking stuff and like ian's not strong in that it's like why would why would the security stuff involve hacking into things like wouldn't that be more of ian's job it just didn't really make sense to me especially if they helped rebuild a time machine that they're like nah jen's the person for this
5: i am hoping and i i I'm ready to be proven wrong with this, but I'm hoping that there is some twist with Jen coming up because, yeah, I was pleased that she had more to do and uh, she got some some good stuff to do in this episode. But like Alison says, it's still filler. And the only way to justify that is if it turns out down the line that she knows more than she's saying or there's something else going on that means that oh actually you can look back over these episodes and say right i get why she was there if this is it if this is what she's going to be then yeah i'm not sure how much i'm going to I i have to, to a-
2: disagree with both of you guys on that i think that this was nerris's episode i think that's One of the things that we dealt with with these characters in the second episode was that they're all somehow feeling betrayed by Ben in different ways. Addison, Mm -hmm. of course, most obviously, you know, trashing her apartment and obviously being really upset. But they made it so, and maybe this was a little bit, you know, tell, not show. They posited Ben as sort of the team leader, the one that guided everybody, kept everybody together. He was the glue. And... It seems like in his absence, they're starting to fall apart. And I felt that Jen did a very good job of stepping in to fill that void, as they had described it, because she was the one. If this were another show, if this were really, truly badly written, this thumb drive drama would have been like a four episode arc where everybody's in in little (laughs) competition, like, oh, you know, clandestine over here and class. And it would have just been the most boring, needless subplot
5: where everybody's was in it art. not
4: boring here
5: <laughs> no but yeah I th-
4: I, mm. was it
5: not boring because i was It bored. did feel like it was it was a big oh we're never gonna be able to hack it all right okay look we've hacked it it, it um, i think it went too much the other direction that it was just it was thrown away very quickly
4: yeah there's a lot of stuff that are kind of thrown away i would have liked to see addison trasher apartment but i didn't yes so it was like all right like i guess that would have been a moment if we'd seen it <laughs> yeah. it would have been a moment if we'd seen ben feeling anything about this whole them not trusting him anymore like i ju- i wish I'd, yeah, I, like, I yeah he's like yeah i get that
5: i wouldn't either that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's very reasonable about it all
4: yeah i guess you can't tell me nothing i guess i kind of betrayed everyone all right and like it's i sorry i know you're saying something chris i just have a lot of your best feelings. feelings no and
2: i get it and why was i was talking not specifically about the the plot point of the thumb drive it could have been anything but I just didn't want to see a prolonged um arc of these characters working at cross purposes for no reason just to see them get together in the end. I'm glad if they were going to introduce this element they wrapped it up by the end of this episode mm. and we get more of that that team dynamic where it's collegial and they're they're working in step with each other instead of against each other. I was really really afraid that we were going to end with, you know, these these little skirmishes going on. And that's just dumb. It's a disservice to the characters because they're smarter than this. Jen proved that she's smarter because she just basically tells Ian, yeah, that thumb drive. I know that you don't tell me about it and I know about it, but, you know, you do what you have to do. It's going to be an issue. We are going to address it at some point. I'm just not going to push you on it right now. I
4: I feel like it's going to turn into a Jen and Magic versus Ian and Addison kind of thing, though, uh, regarding this stuff. Like there's still some of the stuff that's not resolved in that uh they do smooth it over a little bit i do like that ernie hudson's character he's uh, he's a hard ass but he's not you know like he he's kind of gentle so he doesn't like he's not just like at odds with everyone all the time he's trying to make it work but be assertive you know so it's not just the curmudgeonly boss kind of mm-hmm. thing right, oh he's right. he's a lovely yeah. boss he's got a best
5: boss ever mug <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I put in my notes, someone at the project is angling for a pay rise. <laughs> that was like Jen's Christmas present to him.
2: <laughs>
5: she got that, she got yeah, that after I mean, her
2: her resignation was denied.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's kind of stuff set up. You know, there's the stuff about like, they're like, Addison, you can't do this. Okay, sorry, I'm going to try and work with you on this and all that. I, it just, it felt very tepid to me. Um, and I, I get what they're doing. Uh, But there's just not enough time and I don't want to see more project stuff to try and fill it in. I want to see what's going on with the leaves. I f- you know what I found most interesting about the project stuff? The thing I was most intrigued by was we could see through the windows that they're in some sort of underground facility again. Yeah. You can see, like, the walls. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I guess, like, seeing that, that's what it would have looked like in the old show in New Mexico, which they're not even in anymore. And also, where the f*** in L.A. are they? <laughs> that they're underground? <laughs> they're underground in L.A.?
2: There, there are no subways in LA because of a little thing called earthquakes. So,
4: where, yeah, where I, are they in LA? Uh, <laughs> can This can't possibly, feasibly exist.
5: Can, can I just <laughs> so before we talk about the the project for too much? Because I, yeah, I love the look of that as well. I just, I just want to go back to the point that Chris made about um, how that that character dynamic arc ended up not being an arc and it got wrapped up very quickly i agree with you it's a cliche and it's been it's been done before in a lot of shows but i do worry that they have gone down this route now of saying yeah 50 50 project leap and unless they decide to do one of those things where season two is just a totally different dynamic and a different setup that's what they're going with they have a mystery why did ben leap we know somebody that knows why Ben leapt, so it's going to be a bit of a chase to try and find Janice. Once they've found Janice, mystery over. If there's no tension between the characters and there's no mystery, what the f*** are they going to do with the project plotline? With the f I mean, it's. I think they've painted themselves into a corner doing that, unless there's going to be some big new arc that we can't even imagine. I mean, I think they would probably set up something like that
4: you know, wrap up the the Janus thing or why Ben leaped, and then branch off from there.
5: What can there possibly be? I just I can't even imagine. It's it's a show about a a guy that travels through time, and mm. they set it up as we don't know why he travels through time. Right then, we find out why. My, yeah. So now my, my prediction.
4: Come- Sorry, I keep interrupting. No,
5: please. I, I, I want to hear a prediction because I just want some kind of hope, even if it's fanfic or headcanon, as to something that they could do beyond this. Because although I'm enjoying the plot line at the moment, I worry that it will end and then there'll be nothing. So Yeah.
1: Uh,
4: my prediction is that what he's trying to do, either he's trying to find Sam or he's tra- something related to what went on in the first project, it has to do with some sort of, dead zone apocalyptic future kind of thing i think like something happens in the future that they have to prevent because it is a world ending cataclysmic type of thing um whether it's like something happened with the timeline there's i know we have some predictions about uh one of the characters in in this episode what that could mean i think that it's going to set up something like that that they have to prevent some sort of world ending scenario and then it's going to branch off from there i hate that Uh, Yeah, I don't necessarily like that either, but I think that's what they're doing. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't care about any of this stuff going on in the project. I think if they continue with this 50-50, it's really going to hurt the show because I think um, they became so enamored with this mystery box arc storyline and these legacy characters and this lore and this mythology that they've completely forgotten about the leap portion of this ben's leap felt like a c-plot in this it just kept coming going back to this like what is this mystery like this intrigue which they haven't given enough setup and you don't know the characters well enough to to care about that much yet Mm. a lot of shows like you you build up the characters and then you set up the mystery and then you care about what's going on because you care about the characters but I don't necessarily care that much at this point. And it kept cutting back to these like, ooh, intriguing mystery things going on when you should have been focusing on the leap. The leap portion, he's in space. This is someone presumably who's never been to space before. He certainly doesn't remember being in space, The the, the awe of being in space. And then... You're stranded in space. You could die. You have no help out there. So there's this, like, isolation element. Like, all you have is your team and yourself, or you're going to die. But I didn't feel that lost in space with them because it kept cutting back to the project. So I didn't feel any of the tension that was supposed to be happening or any of the wonder. Like, there was... A handful of elements I really loved in The Leap, but I just got maybe two or three minutes of it compared to all of this other excess baggage.
5: This could have been, uh, admittedly on obviously a a much lower budget, a a gravity-style, almost real-time, yeah, intense, pressured situation, but they have to do that cutaway, which totally removes any claustrophobia.
2: And you called it baggage, Alison. I think that we are maybe also forgetting that they're trying to bring this to a more mainstream audience. And I see two factors at play here. Number one, procedurals are the runaway top types of shows on TV currently. Uh, Number two, Donald Bellisario has had very much success with NCIS building procedural shows. So they sort of know what works to grab a mainstream audience. I think All this back at the project stuff is designed (laughs) to pull in that type of viewer who doesn't really know quantum leap or time travel or, but, oh, we have a procedural, we have a mystery, we have a chase, we have a bad guy, and we have the agents trying to track them down. That doesn't speak to me personally. I don't like procedurals. That doesn't speak to you. Apparently you didn't like any of it, but I think that that is sort of maybe uh, they're trying to serve two masters here. And I think that yeah. that we're, what we're watching back at the project is, is a result of that. Do I like it? I like it a little bit. I love being back at project quantum leap, but I like the, the geeky stuff about it. The, the, the chase stuff. I, you know, you can keep that as far as I'm concerned, but it's going to be an element
4: yeah, we're going to have to see how this uh, this pans out, because uh, at this point, only the first episode is aired. We've just watched the screener for the second episode, so it mostly it's people reacting to the pilot. But I think all of this ongoing storyline is going to confuse and lose casual viewers. I don't think it's actually going to grab them, because it is tied into quantum leap but i don't think in necessarily a satisfying way i'm still waiting for them to to pull out stuff that makes it feel like quantum leap to me the fact ziggy is just a computer is not really great for me i'm sure they'll probably pull something out later but nothing about it is particularly Mm -hmm. ziggy i don't think this is particularly uh, a time travel show yet either once again it kind of felt like the time that he was in was irrelevant to what was going on
2: well wasn't this the latest the latest leap that we've had uh on screen anyway canonically sure. yeah yeah
4: yeah but i mean like he so, could have been in space at any point but they, time. see yeah. yeah
5: this could have been 2022 yeah
4: yeah was was this tied into uh, an actual space mission they did on the atlantis i want to say no, no i didn't research the nearest,
5: it. the nearest one to that was 95 The Atlantis, which is what I assumed it was going to be when... um, But
4: uh, this may tie into... Maybe I'm... You know what? I hate reading into this stuff because I feel like I'm just going to look a fool. I feel like I look a fool. But you know, (laughs) so one of our theories here. So one of the astronauts, her name is Samantha Stratton. And that was the name of the baby at the end of the pilot in the original show in Genesis. He saved the baby and uh, Peg Stratton had the baby and they named her Samantha, presumably because of Sam. So we think that this is the baby from that episode, uh, but there's no lip service to this. So it seems like this is setting something up. Could it be this mission only happened because of things that Sam has changed? This is an alternate history we're living in or they're living in, not us, you know, in the real world. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's obvious. What what I liked about that, I mean, I almost wish I we knew going in from the photos that the character's name was Samantha Stratton, played by Carly Pope. When I saw that, I was just like, oh, that's cool. But I was expecting them to address it in the show somehow. Wait, this is someone that um, Dr. Beckett affected on one of his leaps not one word about it nobody even noticed right. and had you had you not read that stuff i think it's gonna be a flash at the end i think they're gonna throw in a bunch of stuff like this and then when they
4: do the reveal right. they're gonna be like samantha stratton this 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 right this, this and this is all connects to sam in some way well this
2: gave yeah. the new series for me a a, a level of depth for the fans that I liked, I wish that I hadn't known that uh, Samantha Stratton was going to be in it. I wish I had discovered it through the dialogue casually mm-hmm. as they were revealing it. Because I thought it, it was a neat twist. And it just reminded me of Mirror Image when, the bartender, when Al says to Sam, um, do you really think you've only changed a couple of lives? You know, those lives right. have touched others and those lives others. And we are now seeing that in action. And for me, that's a, sort of a beautiful reveal. And I wish that I hadn't known it going in, but I still feel like Sam is there. Sam is present. His legacy informs a lot of what we're seeing on screen. So I, I, if, if I had to pick a favorite element to this episode, I think that might be it. Aside from the cool space stuff.
4: My favorite element was the stuff with uh, Ben and Addison. Uh, I loved Addison hanging out on top of the spaceship, oh, just
3: thinking what? space is cool. What is she he sitting did on? did a little like...
4: <laughs> Yeah, what is she sitting on? I don't know, but it makes that. no sense. But Al didn't either. So, um, yeah, she and then she pops out next to him. I thought that was cool. I feel like the contrast of... Her being a hologram was more present here because she's just standing around in space because it's not going to affect her. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. I, I did appreciate that most of the effects were done practically. You can see from the press photos from this episode, it's just a black mat behind them that they've digitally added stars to and maybe some other enhancements. But I think that worked much better than trying to screen them in. It felt more like they were present somewhere. Yeah. I enjoyed that stuff. I even enjoyed the bit at the end where Ben says like, thanks for trusting someone that nobody else trusts. Uh, It it was kind of the same at the end of the pilot where he says like, you made me feel real safe today. I really like that line. I just wish that anything leading up to it felt like it was that story. I would have liked to see that story.
5: Mm. i want to pick up because you, you mentioned about the ben and addison stuff and then went straight onto the the hologram stuff and i mean yeah i right. i, I yeah, love I, that i threw it all out at once <laughs> I, I love i love the the bit as well where yeah she was sat there nonchalantly uh just staring up into space so cool but yeah the the ben and addison stuff was what really made it this week for me as well i'm a sucker for that kind of stuff when the actors are as good as these two are and like the the moment where he sees the ring and he asks her about it and she she obviously wants to tell him. It's just I, I was welling up. And the bit at the the very end as well after he's leapt out and she's just left there. Uh, there was there was a ton of really great moments that Caitlin Bassett particularly did so fantastically with. I was really pleased.
4: Why was she still there when he leaped out? She could just hang out in that time without him there?
5: Yeah, I guess it's not it's a it's a different type of technology. They're actually beaming the hologram into the past rather than some kind of uh, neurological thingamy from the original. I, I, that, I that
4: That presents some problems to me because then could they not just do the thing that the project apparently was originally made for and just observe any point in time
5: well maybe he's got to be there for a while or something i don't yeah he's
4: not there when he leaps out so yeah but
5: but it's just like when
4: he when he leaped out and the astronaut was back (laughs) you think he was like what the (laughs) i'm just floating (laughs) around free and spit what happened
2: I didn't catch that so Addison lingered outside the mirror after Ben was gone
4: yeah he leaped out and then she they hold on her for a while for the emotional beat but why is she still there
2: it must have been so organic to the story at that moment that I didn't even notice but you're absolutely right she should have just
5: blinked out I hope the astronaut leaping back in is just as chilled out as that Russian astronaut who's just (laughs) like (laughs) right, okay there's a guy out the window (laughs) I guess that's normal (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, 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 wait a second. Let me get my shoes on.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I wish that we had seen more of what Ben is going through. Again, he felt Mm. like such an aside. I just want to see the leaps first. Focus on the leaps first and make me care about that. And then I will care about the people at the project. Because all this stuff about, like, Ben, they don't trust Ben. Like, I love that line at the end. Like, thanks for trusting the guy no one else trusts. I just wish that the stuff before it was was that story. I wanted to see Ben like, can you imagine? It's you. You can't even trust yourself. You don't even know if you're a bad guy. Mm -hmm. That's a great story, but we don't see any of that. He's such a passive character. They did the same format last episode where he is just doing what other people tell him and kind of chilling out until the very end he decides he's going to do something to like To change the leap, but we still need to see Ben doing things. We need to see Ben uh, alive in this story. I feel like he was such a a side character, even to the astronauts.
2: Mm. I mean, you're not wrong. I I think that they're struggling to give Raymond... I, I don't want to say give him his due, but again, like I was saying, the balance is is just off. Maybe it's right, Allison. Maybe you're right in, in that maybe they just need to bookend the leap with stuff back at the project instead of this yeah, constant... Yeah, I think they should bookend
4: it until something really yeah. important
2: happens, and
4: then we can show more of the project because there is a, a bigger story at hand. But yeah. this whole, like, it just needs to be 50-50. It's, it's, it's clunky. It's not good.
2: I did like that Ben was um, so... Swift on the uptake in the sense that he knew that he was an unreliable narrator in this case. He has no memory. So he could very well be a bad guy. And he accepts that immediately. And it's like, I'm glad I don't remember. But I understand why you need to sort of tiptoe around me because who knows? I could be, you know, I could be but why evil. Is he so
4: ex- why is he so chill about this?
2: yeah, why
4: why why can't he just be like, yeah, i I'm glad, but what did I do? what like, why am I like like, why would I make this decision? I might be a bad guy, maybe I shouldn't even be here. you, you need to explore that aspect of the character, especially if this whole episode is about trust. should they trust him some guilt or something, I don't know something
5: everything, everything about Ben so far has been. Very rushed, with the exception of a few a few moments in the pilot. Like, yeah, what 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 am I doing here? He kind of accepts the concept very quickly. He accepts that Addison's a hologram. Yeah, he accepts his own memory loss and the fact that he might be a bad guy. It's his character development is still being very rushed. Agreed. Agreed. And
4: the story's like supposedly centered around him, right? But he just feels like I don't, he's just a yeah, plot it's not, device. It's,
5: it's it's Addison. It's Addison and Ian. It's their show at the moment.
4: Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't know. I there in it, the thing that frustrates me too is because it's not that there's nothing there. It's that there's something great there that they're just not capitalizing yeah. on at the moment. Uh, I want to see these leaps just with Addison and Ben. Just yeah. do it like the old show and show us a bit more. About what's going at the project when it's important. They should really be supporting players in this story because that's what Quantum Leap is. It's about the Quantum Leaps, right? Like, not this, like csi going around (laughs) trying to find the secret thumb drive and then all the stuff with janice annoyed me i don't (laughs) i'm coming off much more negative this week i'm trying to like (laughs) be all jokey but look like it made me mad every time it cut back to the project because i i really i was enjoying like just starting to enjoy the bits with addison and ben and then it would cut away
5: it almost feels like and I, I'm trying to be accepting of this new dynamic and I, I'm trying not to be, as I know and you are as well, As and I'm trying not to be that guy that's just, yeah, I want it to be just like the original. It doesn't have to be like the
4: original. It just has to be interesting.
5: <laughs> but it feels like the stuff at the project is, and again, this goes back to my my point that it feels very limited. It feels like we should be having a series of uh, 22 episode seasons about the leaps and then, oh, hey, this stuff at the project is quite interesting. Let's do a 10 episode limited miniseries just about that that completely focus on that we don't even see the leaps and it's just like some kind of cool straight to streaming spin-off that's how do, that do, feels do. but they've got the spin-off jammed in with the rest of it do webisodes isn't that what yeah. they used to call them webisodes, <laughs> webisodes. you yes, get like 10 kind of
4: minute segments where you get kind of filled in a little more yes. about what's going on and then maybe you can on the dvds make it the extended edition with that stuff stuck in there again you know but uh, it's it, you, you can't focus on the project stuff i feel like it's hurting the show and and it's just nothing against the actors or even the characters no, you know like i feel like they they actually do have great characters and great actors mm-hmm. it just doesn't have the place or the time for this particular
5: show i would watch the shit out of a spin-off series that's just about those characters it's yeah just,
4: i think it's, ian is great in particular i yeah. really think that that uh, mason alexander Park shines in this show and and is a good supporting character and maybe if they kind of just kept ian as the main kind of supporting character and then everyone else was was you know until like they had an episode that was about their character or about something in particular maybe shine a little more focus on them but and i that sucks to say because i love ernie hudson I don't have anything against Nanrissa Lee. I think like her acting's fine. I just don't like the character particularly. But you know, I like it It sucks to say like they should be more minimized because I do really like them and I I like their characters. It's just, I just don't think it's it's for this show at the moment anyway. Maybe they'll change my mind on
2: this. Yeah, and you got to give the show a chance to evolve. I know I feel like I'm sounding like an apologist for some of the very valid points that you're bringing up, Allison. but I feel like, second episode still in a new series they're still finding their footing they're still finding their balance they're still figuring it all out yeah and i think that's good we're hearing your perspective on this too i i just feel like i feel like there is great potential in this dynamic and i do like the fact that we are seeing more characters i'm not crazy about the chase stuff like i've said before but we did the ch- get the chase stuff. Yeah, the chase stuff, the 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 Janice stuff. To be honest with you, yeah. I yeah. hope I hope like in this episode, like I said before, having uh, some kind of ongoing plot line where there are different factions within the project working across purposes. I'm glad they wrapped that up in one episode here. I hope that this Janice stuff gets wrapped up by episode three. I hope that they don't linger <laughs> on these beats too long, because if I had to pick a part that I hated. About this episode, it was Janice's secret lair. And
4: yeah, uh, it was, it sucked. She, ah, she's in her little Power Rangers lab. <laughs> yeah And then she, and then they call on the phone and she's like, haha, I took precautions, smirky smirk. And let me you, tell you, if there's you, a character archetype I hate more <laughs> than the, than the like angry security person, it's the smuggy, smug, one step ahead <laughs> lady on the phone. No, thank you. And you that know. sucks because I don't
5: want to hate this character. You know when someone says that shit's about to start exploding?
4: Yeah, it, this is yeah. a dynamic that's very easy to fall into in uh, in in sequel type things. The daughter or the son or the child of the main character that you're supposed to automatically care about because they have that same name. But the thing <laughs> is, you need to you need to make me care about the character. Don't just like. I know they're setting something up here. But I just feel like there's a lot of like because she's named Calavici, they're like pretty cool, huh? <laughs> like, I don't know,
5: yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she well, is still the one-note smug villain so far. Eh, maybe there'll be maybe there'll be more to it later. But... I, well, I have I, I have a couple of couple of theories about this. One thing
2: I did like, even though I'm I'm not sure where I come down on the Janice character yet, the fact that she is working at Ben's behest rather than the other way around, I thought was a nice reveal. And I also like the fact that because she's Al's daughter, we got to see Susan reprise her role as Beth.
1: Yes. And
2: that was a a very nice moment. Once again, just, I I don't know if it's pandering so much, fan service. If it's fan service, great. Give me fan service. But it's wonderful to see some connective tissue between this series and the classic series and seeing that they are inextricably linked it's it was kind of like that that samantha stratton moment that i discussed earlier we really are trying to give you a continuation here now are we pulling it off well i you know i still think it needs some time to find its footing but I, I think that their intent is in the right place. They, they have good intentions. Their heart is in the right place. And I think that they want to do as well by the series as the fans want to see them do. Sure. Whether or not they execute that, who knows? Because there are other factors, mitigating factors like probably network notes. And this is what we need to get audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they're, they're under a lot of pressure to make an instant hit these days. So, of course, they're going to throw all of some of the more formulaic elements out there because that can grab viewers because this is what I'm used to. This is what I like. Oh, look, this is this is this. So let me watch it because this is what I'm used to. That I think that's just an unfortunate reality that that they're up against because it's not a streaming show. I mean, it's a primetime network show. big. Big pressure, big pressure to pull in ratings. It's just, it's just as simple as that. So I think that we're going to get more of this stuff before we settle into a better dynamic. I think we're going to get a lot more procedural elements. I don't particularly like it, but if I like the characters, I think that I'll have a better time with that aspect of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. You know i've been talking a lot about sort of the connective tissue uh between the old series and the new series and um how they're trying to do it right one thing we did get this was a new saga cell Mm. yeah i love that there was a new saga cell that was fun and it was uh, spoken by addison yeah i I, you know what I, i i'm a little bit of mixed feelings with the saga cell and i'll I'll tell you why i felt like it was evocative of the original and that was fine but it went on a little too long because you were expecting her to say that his next leap will be the leap home (laughs) and instead she said they
4: have to insert the family thing and i feel like they're being a little too on the nose with like get it get it it? it when you're here you're family
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's like the fast and the furious meets quantum leap right
4: yeah the family (laughs) (laughs) a quantum leap we're family (laughs)
2: I love the fact that they're doing it. I love the fact that even the it's just it's just a little clunky still. So yeah, quit t- quit
4: telling us and show us. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing.
2: So, but Saga Cell. So there we go. So some more of the old Quantum yeah. Leap DNA coming coming to the mm. new series. So,
4: I think they're being smart doing the Saga Cell. Um, same purpose as the original show. Um, just get people up to speed because it is a confusing concept, and I think it'll help ease people in a little better.
2: Yeah. As we're talking about sort of some of that that legacy stuff what do we think about i'm mean, janice's smug smug smirky smug right but i feel like the and casting she's got an attitude right why is she We're so weird. why is she so belligerent <laughs> what's what's the what's the history there between magic and her the fact that she's basically doesn't seem to like him at all
5: well she she wanted to join the project and the dod said no because you knew al and, and- <laughs> Magic also... Magic didn't have any connection there. Well, yeah, Magic had the connection to Sam through his brother. Magic was a Leapy. Yeah,
0: he was also... (laughs) Yeah, he
5: was a Leapy, so... also spent some time in a waiting room. So, yeah, I can see why she'd be a bit pissed off with Magic.
4: Yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait till episode four, which uh, I believe is supposed to be about Magic's character. We're going to have to see how they address the situation where he talks about his side of the Leap, because they can't are they going to talk about the waiting room because it's not even a thing
2: i mean they have to they have to address it somehow
4: i feel like i would care more about the project stuff if it felt like it, we were seeing the things that yeah. that make quantum leap quantum leap i would like to see people talking to someone in the waiting room you can even connect that to the mystery box element of the leap there's ways to do connective tissue to make it feel not so disconnected mm. to what's going on in the leap you could have tied more of the thematic elements of what's going on at the project to what's happening in the leap. There, there's a lot of ways you can connect this a little bit better, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I'm coming off more negative this week. Again. Negative Allison. <laughs> uh, why is Janice so belligerent? I don't know. Uh, they could explain this. Uh, we, we've had so very little of her, so there could be some story reason yeah. that they come around. Like why, any of this stuff is going on, maybe they'll win me over. But I think so
5: far, not impressed. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that you see in a lot of shows where you have to trust the writers and trust the process that, yes, they're introducing a fairly two-dimensional character, but there is a reason for... There's a background and there's, there's, uh, there's a foundation there that will uncover itself over time. My problem is I haven't seen much of the writers' previous work. So it's very difficult for me to just go down the trust the writers route. I kind of got to at this point and hope that it does all shake out. But it's a lot to ask for an audience that she's not just going to be a a cackling villainess that is just pissed off with everyone and that's why she's doing it and that's all.
4: Well, I don't think she's meant to be a villain. I think she's supposed to kind of have a a chip on her shoulder, some sort of thing going on there, uh, which I don't particularly like but I don't know I mean I think it's important to note also like like Chris was saying there's a lot of people working on the show there's a lot of different elements going into it and things that we probably don't know about mm. there could be network notes there could be just People throwing out ideas and trying to make them work, and they're not translating. Like I see on paper, why a lot of these things are like they sound appealing, or they they might think like this is is a different way to do it. This is just how it's coming off in in the final product, and I really hope that that things turn around because this isn't a case of like no quantum leap uh, remake will ever amount to the original. You know, we just want it to be good, and right now it's yeah. just I'm not really finding a lot to to cling to. But again. It's two episodes in. And the fact that this was better than the first episode, I think, is encouraging.
5: How did you find the Leap stuff while we were there? Because I know you, you said a couple of times, and I agree with you, that you kept getting pulled away from it. But what about those times when we were there? <laughs> I liked Ben saying, where's the space toilet? <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. I figured you were. Yeah,
2: I like...
4: Yeah, I I thought that was funny because like, what do you do? He knows nothing about space. He's like, I don't know. Where's the space toilet? (laughs) You know, trying to find a way to get out of this situation. And that made me want to see more of him navigating this situation because suddenly he's in space. He has to figure out what to do and pretend that he knows how to be an astronaut. He's leaped into David Tamara, who immigrated from Japan, I believe they said. Yes. And uh, became uh, an astronaut. He was very noteworthy historically in this timeline. And uh, Ben reveals that he also is an immigrant uh, from Korea. Mm. He immigrated as a kid, so he really looked up to him. And um, there's these little bits and pieces here where I'm like, this is great. But again we kept cutting away from it. So we didn't really have time to
2: explore much of it. Yeah, we're getting some backstory here. And I liked that. I liked that some of the dynamics that we saw between the shuttle crew also mirrored some of the feelings that Addison was having about Ben in that moment, especially the Reynolds-Stratton dynamic. There's a scene where they're arguing about something and they're talking about trust. And you can just see Addison like staring daggers at Ben because she's feeling so betrayed. And so I thought that worked on Mm. a dual level very well. I loved Ben's hero moment at the end because she kept on saying, "You can't control the leap. You can't control the leap. You know what I'm doing? I'm controlling yeah. the leap." And he leaps. Now, yeah. now I have problems. Like I said, I mean, this is a suspiciously large space shuttle with cavernous rooms that are apparently empty that he can just have a chat with his holographic pal with nobody yeah, noticing. This giant
4: space toilet. <laughs> this giant.
2: Do space they toilet. have
4: space toilets? <laughs>
2: Zero G toilets. So I got to think I that guess. there's a private area for that stuff, but. I guess they take outrageous liberties with with some of the physics. I mean, Ben just hops from the shuttle, which is in motion towards the mirror, which is also in motion. I know it's all relative, but if he's off even by an nth degree, he just shoots right past the mirror and goes into a decaying orbit it's as simple yes. as that so <laughs> yeah. the fact that he, he goes and he catches the mirror it's a nice moment I liked it
4: just launching through space you know what when he started launching through space and he turns into like green screen CGI Ben just flying toward I was like <laughs> yay I, I really enjoyed that moment
2: but then he's at the mirror and he's holding on right and he's banging on the door and you know that the cosmonaut yeah okay I see you out there let me put my pants on but then he's talking to Addison and he Let's go of the mirror he'd immediately yeah, start drifting just, away he just... <laughs> but you know, he's just sitting there right next to it just like what hey chilling out in space <laughs> and the biggest plot hole that I saw aside from all that stuff which I just thought was goofy I thought it was fun aren't astronauts always live mic'd when they're on EVAs there's no way that he would be able to talk to Addison out there without them hearing like he's radio yeah, he went man
4: talking to Samantha and then talking to Addison and I'm like are they hearing all of yeah, this but like, the thing is he
2: presses his wrist when he wants. to talk to them inside in reality he would be he would have a live mic the entire time he's on the eva just in case of emergencies just so they can tell him what what he needs to do and the other thing the space debris that comes hurtling towards them like gravity matt i thought of gravity as well how did that debris not damage the re-entry tiles in the original history just because ben ducked and didn't get hit by them that changed it hit him,
4: and so it didn't hit the
5: the tiles. They no. they hit him and bounced off him. They they flew through a cloud of the stuff.
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I not <mean>, know <laughs> how
5: space
2: works. <laughs> <laughs> those pieces of whatever they were—they didn't even tell you what that space debris was. Did something blow up in orbit? Like, where did it come from? And I know that there's that a was lot the of previous garbage. timeline version space of them stuff, flew you
4: know. up and. <laughs>
2: The paradox
4: and it flying through the air toward him. And then uh, something Sam changed. And then Janice is like, I knew about that debris. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my way, magic.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll
2: send more space debris after you're a Leaper boy. Yeah,
4: the evil leapers were sending the space debris. They were hanging out off screen and then you just like, kick it over toward them. Like, <laughs> now, <laughs> well,
2: now that you said evil Leaper, is Janice the evil Leaper? I'm leaning towards no, I don't that. Think so.
4: I don't know if Evil Leapers will be involved, uh, but I don't think Janice is. I think she's just got a chip on her shoulder because of them keeping her out of the project and whatever her and Ben were planning.
5: Do you think at at one point Janice and Magic will finally meet face to face and then Carolyn Seymour will just walk into frame and say, ooh, who's the studly morsel? <laughs> if they made Al's daughter an evil leaper, that would suck,
4: okay? I'm just gonna tell you, it I'm not even I I I think if they involved the evil leapers, that would be fun, but I think if they were just like, haha, it's Al's daughter, but she's an evil leaper, i would be like, Ugh
5: no this is the moment (laughs) in the podcast where Martin Garrow sat there with his his earbuds in and just crosses out a big bit of the script and Allison
4: (laughs) if they're I mean they're not listening to our podcast but if they're listening to our podcast like I just want to say I wish the show nothing but success you know I have critiques for the storylines I hope that this is funny but constructive criticism <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like if if people are supportive, but they all kind of have the same note, maybe that will help to improve things. And a, a lot of shows, uh, pretty much no show starts out with season one and it's perfect. They're always workshopping mm-hmm. things, what works and what doesn't. And I hope that this helps
5: steer things in a better direction. Well, I yeah, this is the Naked Now. I mean, this is the know. Naked. This, now.
4: It's not as bad as Naked Now. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> it's
5: not. That's that's my point in terms of positioning. Yeah. Look yeah. at this compared to Crew of the Enterprise get drunk. We're in a good place right now, guys. This is really good. It might not be perfect, but it is It is good. If we
2: are doing constructive criticism and uh, you know, on the off chance that, Martin, you're listening, please don't <laughs> introduce the Evil Leapers into this series. It might already be a fate accompli. I don't know, but I, I don't think that that lore would fit into, number one, the dynamic that we see established here with this project. It's more of a sort of a, a, a realistic take as opposed mm-hmm. to the goofy thing. And number two... Quantum Leap was long established and it had earned the right to go off and do gimmicky stuff in season five because it had four solid seasons of stellar material behind it. And then, okay, let's, let's do something a little fun. Let's have a little goof. Let's, let's, let's introduce some, some juicy evil leapers. We've discussed evil leapers ad nausea when we did those episodes, but I feel like this series, if you have evil leapers right out of the gate, it's just it's risky. dumb. risky. It's not even risky. It's just dumb.
4: (laughs) I feel like if they do the Evil Leapers, it won't be like, Mwahaha, Evil Leapers, like we saw. I think it will be just like people doing evil things through time, uh, kind of straight-laced version of that, you know? Kind of like there's someone who's using this technology for bad purposes. But I feel like that's just kind of a a boring take. I wish this show was less grounded in reality, actually. like Because I, I feel like one of the great uh, dynamics in the original show was that the future stuff was sort of goofy and didn't make a lot of sense. But you had that contrast with the stuff in the past that was trying to be a little more grounded. Generally, you know, they were like, how would this Mm. person react? And and it wasn't very sci fi based at all. It was just historical stories. I wish that they had more fun with this. I wish they had more fun. Like I wish that we saw a bunch of like rainbow colored cubes and flashing light outfits and they went really quirky with it. Like you don't have to have people acting frivolous, you know, like you don't have to be uh, frivolous to have fun. You still have to be true to your world. Things still mean things. They can be serious, you know, but I feel like everything that, that felt like the identity of Quantum Leap is is not present outside of time travel being an element at
2: the moment. All right. I mean, fair enough. Would you say that that's your final observation on this episode?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm being a bummer. You're not being a
2: bummer. No. I think that you are voicing what a lot of fans are feeling, and it's it's a legitimate concern that you have. How about you, Matt?
5: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna pretty much repeat what I said up top. I really enjoyed this episode. Yes, I'm struggling a little bit with the fifty-fifty dynamic, and I think I always will a bit. I don't think it's something that can be fixed. It just that's the show that they're going for. And if that's the show they're going for, it's fine. And what we saw here was two really good plots. I enjoyed both of them, particularly the the stuff between Ben and Addison. But I also, I know, Chris, you, you're not enjoying the Chase stuff. I'm enjoying the Chase stuff. I'm enjoying the Janice stuff. And so, yeah, I, I was really happy with this episode, just taking a while to get used to this, um, this new split. I agree with, in main, what you're both saying, to be honest. I liked...
2: I think the character stuff in this much more than the first episode. I think that we're going to be able to settle into these characters uh, with a little bit more depth as we go forward. But I think Allison is absolutely right. I think we need a better balance of leap and project. I really want them to spend a few episodes just primarily with Ben and Addison to develop that relationship between them. And I mean, I know, Matt, that you said that, uh, you know, when he asked about the ring, you, you kind of welled up. I wanted to well up. I'm just not feeling a connection between the characters. Mm-hmm. And I I, yeah. I want to. I really do, because I did feel it in the pilot. I did feel it at the party after I saw the episode a few times. I was genuinely, you know, moved by the fact that they were going to be separated by time. But in, in this episode, I I wasn't feeling it and I think it was because it still hasn't struck the balance yet. I want the show to get down to the business of being Quantum Leap and then give us more project and Allison, I know that's exactly what you've been saying this entire time. I'm not adverse to more back at the project stuff, but I I just, I think they just need to spend some time with Ben.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Ben is the main character.
2: Yeah. He's and mm-hmm.
4: and it's not just, you know, because it's Quantum Leap and he's doing the leaps like he... The whole mystery is surrounded his character, but it feels like his character is being kind of forgotten and they just kind of talk about him a lot. But I, I, I wish that we saw more of the things that they were saying.
2: Yeah, I think we did a little bit in this. I know we're on final thoughts, but just one aspect that we didn't touch upon that I really, really enjoyed again with the leap portion of this. Throughout the whole beginning of the episode, they were talking about how Ben was basically their leader and he was the one that was able to get them all going in the same direction and how much they missed that. Now we get to see Ben do that with the shuttle crew at the end when Commander Reynolds wants to get them home. He, he wants to enter the orbit and he's making the wrong decision. And Ben sort of takes everything he's learned on the leap from the different players and uses it to his advantage and channels them all into the right direction. So we sort of see proof that he is capable of of putting a team together and being an effective leader and i liked that because they didn't just tell us they told us and they showed us yeah i thought it was a very funny
4: cut when uh he's talking to samantha and then like she's like hey don't tell him i'm doing this thing i'm gonna do it and then like we're just gonna get this done and then like smash cut he's like hey she's doing this thing (laughs) it's like oh all right (laughs)
2: But you got to know why she's doing this thing. And he was able to communicate that effectively.
4: Right. It's the space stuff that I'm not explaining very well. I've I've seen this through once. (laughs)
2: But I feel like- That's also,
4: you know, like, yeah, I I have less time to analyze this than uh, with some of the older episodes. That's true. Yeah, that's,
2: yeah. I I just see glimmers of hope and good bones, like a good foundation for Ben's character. I just want to see more of Ben, so-
4: yeah. Give us more Ben. Give us more Addison. We're rooting for them. Just uh, show yeah. show us them. That's where the heart's going to be. You know, like Sam and Al was the uh, the big heart of Quantum Leap. It, it originally, it really wouldn't have worked without these two. And I feel like you, you need to build up what the new hologram and leaper dynamic is because the leaps are the plot of the show.
2: Well said. Well, I think with that, we are going to close the books on this discussion of Atlantis. But stay tuned, because after the break, we will be bringing you those interviews with Mason Alexander-Park and Susan Deal. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash Podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the Quantum Leap Podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. On the latest episode of Fangio.
4: This is my first time watching The Muppet
2: Show on Disney Plus right now. Oh, you're so lucky. I'm re-watching them at the moment. It's fun, isn't it? I don't understand, like, all of a sudden this cult of Kermit that has arisen.
4: Cult of Kermit. (laughs)
5: Permit.
2: <laughs> I'm going to violently disagree with you. Violently? Yes. <laughs> like animal?
4: <laughs> There's nothing funnier than a Muppet pulling out a gun for no reason.
5: <laughs> Pigs in space was genius. People
4: were getting so mad about the warnings at the beginning. Cancel culture,
2: cancel culture. They just want to manufacture controversy.
4: I'm sick of hearing the words
2: cancel culture. Oh, Don't get me started. Foreknowledge knowledge hasn't been in print for 25 years. Cancel <laughs> culture. I am a victim. I didn't even know. <laughs> to find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon.com slash Podcast.
4: You know what the best part of this podcast is? When it's over!
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, and as promised, here is our interview with Mason Alexander-Park. welcome to the quantum leap podcast Mason.
3: thank you thank you for having me
2: well i'd like to start with just a little bit of background to help uh quantum leap fans get to know you since everybody is so new um i've done some research i see you have a real solid background in stage work including uh last year's production of hedwig and the angry inch which i loved watching your performances on instagram from times square that was great and uh, i can see that you also have a growing film and tv resume including netflix's cowboy bebop again i love that and a breakout role as desire in a little show no one's ever heard of called sandman and (laughs) now that uh you know you you're doing all this stuff. Can you tell us how you got here? How did you get started acting, and um, what was what was the road that led to Quantum Leap?
3: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I started acting when I was young-ish. Um, I I always loved film and television just as a medium. And when I was really really little, I would um, probably around like five or six. I would only watch. Uh, the the like special features to films that I was a big fan of, like Jurassic Park and uh, and Jaws and all that kind of like a lot of Spielbergian stuff. Um, on on just a loop, I would sit and I would watch you know like two or three hours of the of all the behind the scenes footage that were on the VHSs um, because I was so enthralled with the process of filmmaking. Um, not so much as an actor, not so much from an acting standpoint, but just uh, at the sheer artistic talent that's required of all the different departments, you know, to create something, mm-hmm. especially in the big kind of fantasy and sci-fi world. Um, so I always thought that I was going to be like Stan Winston. I wanted to do uh, like animatronics and creature design in film mm-hmm. and television. And uh, I was just really, really into that, that side of the design departments that involved in big sci-fi stuff. Um, and then that kind of, you know, went away when I s- found other hobbies and other things at school. And um, it just was something that I like held on to as a, like, oh, I would love to do, you know, a big Hollywood thing. Um, and then my parents just kind of noticed that I had a knack for performance, I guess, in in life. <laughs> so they they put me in like an acting camp when I was uh, seven years old. And and that was kind of the sp- spark for me. I I went to this small acting camp uh, for like a a week or two at a time. And I would do it for a few summers in a row. Um, And the funny thing was, it was also themed. It was kind of like they definitely were working around some sort of copyright things with (laughs) love franchises by being like, and this is our Harry Potter camp, or this is our, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings camp. And you would create as a, as a group. Um, all of the kids would sort of come together in the different design departments and acting departments and learn how to make a play. And so you would write it with, you know, your, your counselor. And then they would, you would all costume it together and build the props and then perform it in this big theater. It's called the Magic Theater in San Antonio, Texas. And, um, so that was like my first experience performing. And then it wasn't until I was 13 years old that I um, got paid to act. I did a regional theater of, of, uh, production of Peter Pan. And uh, and that's when I first met other actors that weren't famous by any means, that sort of made uh, an entire life uh, as an actor, uh, but weren't huge household names. And I don't think I had an understanding that that was possible, that it was more than a hobby, unless you were Jim Carrey, you know, until then. <laughs> so I, uh, it was a really eye opening experience for me because I, I was suddenly faced with all of these really remarkably talented individuals who had families and had lives back, you know, in New York or wherever they were based, um, and would just sort of travel around and do a couple of months in, in a musical somewhere and then go back home. And it was, it was kind of very exciting to me. So I, moved to Los Angeles and, uh, with my mom. And we uh, just kind of, uh, I guess, started auditioning and went to a performing arts school out here. And then I, uh, I started working in film and television a little bit um, with Nickelodeon shows like iCarly. I and, uh, and then I went and I studied theater in college and uh, booked the Broadway national tour production of, of Hedwig and the Angry Inch um, right out of school and traveled with that for about a year and a half. Um, and that was, you know, sort of the, I think the, the big thing for me, it was a role that I had always wanted to play and, um, and, and it sort of was my introduction, I guess, into the, into the real, real professional world of performing. Um, and then, you know, I just, I was a theater actor for a very long time. Uh, and it wasn't until recently that I started doing a lot of film and television again, the pandemic was a big strange equalizer. And, um, I have no idea how it happened, but <laughs> I, it was, it, it turned out to be the, you know, the best time for me. <laughs> um, you know, cause I like in the, in the first year, cowboy bebop was shooting in New Zealand and we were like the, the, one of the only shows in production we were some of the only employed people in our industry, it was very, you know, strange. Um, so I've gotten very lucky. I've been very fortunate. And, uh, all of those shows just kind of built up on, on each other, Bebop to Sandman to, you know, a couple other projects and films that haven't happened or come out yet. Um, and then, and then Quantum just sort of came across and I was like, Oh, I remember that show. And um, I, I didn't really, I didn't think of it as a thing that like was going to happen. You know, I Sandman was something I chased. It was a role that I knew I was right for. And then I really Wanted, and with Quantum, it was a whole new group of individuals. So nobody really had anything to base uh, an expectation off of besides the original. But it's it was a continuation of that story. So every single character was additive. You know, we were all no one was replacing um, an actor or an archetype. It was just kind of building on the lore in the world that the original had created. So um, I had no yeah idea or expectation of what the direction was going to be and what they were going to do with it. But I fell in love with the creative team and we had a, a really wonderful time shooting the pilot. And uh, yeah, I feel, I feel very fortunate and I'm very excited for people to start seeing it soon.
2: Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that um, you remembered the show. Were you an actual fan of the original show? Did you have a lot of basis in, in the original?
3: I think I missed the boat on when it would have been, uh, well, maybe not necessarily on when it would have been on TV, but when it would have been on my radar. Um, so it wasn't something that I really watched every episode of. It was kind of, it was the kind of thing that like I saw a few episodes of it growing up with my family or it was on TV when we were, you know, flipping channels. And so I saw these sort of like individualized stories that I vaguely remember and I knew what the concept of the show was. And of course, knew the name because it's uh, it has stood the test of time, and um, you know people still uh, love the show and still adore the original. So, it's it's always kind of been there in the background as like an, a a property I was aware of, but never did a proper dive into. And so when when the role came about, I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, now it's time a good time to go back and watch yeah.
0: this show. <laughs> <So. laughs>
2: So the character description for Ian says that they were introverted and more comfortable interacting with computers than interacting with people. But what we've seen so far, um, Ian is completely different from that. I think you yeah. kind of blew that out of the water. Uh, how, much, how much of Mason do you bring to Ian? And did you have a discussion with the producers or with the showrunners to make the character more dynamic as we
3: see it on, on the show? I think that it was sort of an organic evolution. Um, you know, when you get an audition for something, they, they always, they, they base these character descriptions. Sometimes it's not the creatives that write them. A lot of times it's the casting office that they read a script and they kind of, you know, build their own idea of what the text means and what, you know, they should be looking for as casting directors. So. In this case, it's very possible that that was written by our casting director at the time and wasn't written by, you know, Brian or or, or Stephen or or Martin. So we um, that sort of flew out the window. I think day one we uh, <laughs> had a, like a Zoom meeting and sort of read parts of the scripts from it, and uh, I think they realized very quickly that uh, my version of Ian could take some of the the geeky person behind the computer stuff and, and, and allow that to exist, but also make them a little more dynamic and relatable and real and less of like this. I am, you know, uh, a, a non-binary person that's kind of insular and only can be friends with computers, because I think that 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 is a trope that is sort of played out. There's very little non-binary representation in film and television. But the, you know, our first experience with non-binary um identities on TV for most people is Taylor Mason in and billions. And that description could apply to both of those characters. Um, so I, I think that it's really interesting to see how like one archetype from just the only amount of representation that exists can sort of pervade into, into all these different um, people's minds when they think, Oh, like that's the kind of character I want to write. And then they go like the only frame of reference I have is that one character from, from this other TV show. So I think there was an element of that that still existed. And then everyone met me and was like, Oh yeah, no, this makes way more sense. This should be, we should kind of just naturally follow the progression of where, um, this Ian exists. And, and I think it's helpful not only for me, but for the show as a whole, because it, it, we've leaned heavily into this kind of familial dynamic that a lot of shows of this type don't necessarily have from the jump. I think a lot of them develop it over time. Um, it's sort of this ragamuffin, you know, group individuals that work together, but, uh, in our version, like we've been working together for five years on this program. So it's nice to see from the jump that there is five years of history and that they were not learning to like each other at this moment in time. Like everyone already has a relationship to one another. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that, was, that was a nice deviation from the character description.
2: That's also a deviation from the history of Quantum Leap because usually we got very little Back at the project. And um, one thing that comes across um, right away in, in the pilot is that family dynamic that you were discussing. But also, um, as Ian, you're filling a role at the project that was only explored through the character of Gushy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very little in, in the main series. So um, you're interacting with the project staff, but you're also the main conduit to Ziggy. So... Mm-hmm. First of all, I have to ask because you know fans and listeners are dying to know. Will we have to wait long before we get to see you interact interact with Ziggy?
3: That's a great question. I feel like there are there are a lot of a lot of sweet moments, but um, I think in the way that people are anticipating, I uh, it, I can't say when or how it will happen, but I'm sure it's going to happen because yeah, you can't have. Ziggy and not really dive into just how sassy and fun that, that creation is. Um, uh, so I would, I would say that the, we'll, we'll all just hold our breath and, and wait and see. All
2: right, now, um, my, my next question, you might not be able to answer it, but what was it like working with Deborah as she reprised the role?
3: Um, well, as of now, you know, Deborah has just been on set pretty much, almost every day as, uh, in a producerial context. So we've, we've really just gotten to know each other and have her present, um, as, as kind of the curator for the whole experience, you know, Deborah is really remarkably giving and really wonderful to have involved so heavily, um, especially, you know, considering how, how unbelievably important she was to the original and is to our version. So it's really nice that there's this continuation of her involvement in the show. Um, But I, I, in terms of her specifically as Ziggy, that, that I cannot discuss yet. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. That means there's something.
2: (laughs) How can we expect to see that dynamic evolve as the series progresses? What other key relationships will help define Ian?
3: I think it's really nice to watch the way that the, the story that happens within the leap kind of has that ripple effect on the people that are in the present and vice versa, which is something that the original didn't have as many opportunities to uh, explore or expand on since we never really spent any time at the headquarters. So all of the information was kind of being fed through Al. And in our version, an element of that still exists with Caitlin um, as Addison, you know, uh, still disseminating information to uh, Raymond as Ben, but there is a a nice amount of time in each episode that's spent developing the characters and the relationships in the present. Um, And it's really cool to see, for me as an actor, I've loved watching or, or interacting with, you know, Raymond very minimally, but with, with Caitlin and Anarisa and Ernie to kind of develop the individualized quirks of each person back at the headquarters, because like, it really does deeply impact the way that we tell the story in each episode and the way that we sort of reveal the mystery or the way that we dive into whatever that time period is. Each person brings their own uh, experience to that. And it's, it's, I'm very grateful that they are all such giving, wonderful actors because it's it's so much fun to kind of just play with them and, and bring enough of ourselves to the roles. That I think that that also helps strengthen the relationships between everybody. Because you know, like I, I don't know if in earlier drafts of this had they not known all of us and not known how we interact, if there would be as much of uh, you know uh, of a the historical connection between like Ben and I as best friends or Caitlin and I as like unbelievably close individuals, um, Mm -hmm. Addison. And, and a lot of that came from just the way that we interacted in real life. You know, the way that like we were just razzing on each other day one and like truly all, all really felt like family from the beginning. And so, um, I think the natural just inclination to write, to our voices and right to our actual interactions and relationship is, has bled so wonderfully into the series that um, all of the relationships have been strengthened because of it.
4: The the pilot felt very tailored to all of you um, because you guys had a chance to do it twice. So you really had a chance to to hone in on these characters and, and make it your own thing and, and closer yeah. to each other.
3: Yeah. Because, you know, uh, when you get a script, like you pretty much just, you do what the script is right and uh and and there are moments of being able to deviate from that but it is very very rare with the time constraints of filming an episode of television that you can come in and just radically change everything so the repilot gave us an opportunity to to really reevaluate how we wanted to reveal uh certain aspects of the story and also how we wanted to establish everyone's relationship. Um, early on, whereas I feel like if we would have continued with the original draft, the original pilot, and sort of built on that, it might have taken a, a few more episodes to fully understand how like deeply in- involved everybody was in each other's personal lives. Whereas like starting with that engagement party, it's so clear and so immediate that like these people don't just see each other at work. We are we get together afterwards and we, we are present for each other's big moments and we are deeply supportive and, and deeply loving of one another. So um, the repilot really allowed us to uh, uh, show that from like the get-go as opposed to making audiences kind of wait for those relationships to kick in, which I find to be so much more fun and enjoyable as an audience member.
2: It was very much organic, and mm-hmm. uh, came across. It came across.
5: Yeah, I, I, you mentioned earlier about sort of moving away from that uh, the the tr- the trope of the insular non-binary, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's fantastic to see non-binary representation in a in a character in in uh, network television. What we've seen so far, I mean, we've we've seen the pilot. I read that original script that um has now shifted up to episode six. The non-binary element doesn't seem to have really come to the fore yet. Is that is that something that might be explored with Ian more in future episodes?
3: I mean, I think it depends on the way that we
5: continue to you
3: know craft this the stories in this series. I'm I'm sure there are so many opportunities with Quantum Leap to introduce audiences to concepts and, and ideas that, um, you know, in the original were like looking back, you'd be like, Oh my God, of course, you know, they did, but it's incredible to see what they were able to accomplish in the time that they were writing those episodes in. And I think that the same can be said of our version, um, because there are always different, uh, people, that are that need to be introduced to greater audiences in order to help build empathy with you know the the masses, and I think that Ian's inclusion in the show isn't intentionally for that purpose. I think it was the way that our cast uh, was brought together is just to represent the way that the world kind of you know just looks and exists now. It. That group of people is exactly the kinds of groups of people that I see in every you know, situation. I mean, there might be some age differences and and like other things, which are kind of fun to play with in a work dynamic. But like, for the most part, I don't know many people in my experience that only have a very insular view of the world and only see the same, like, you know, the kind of person all the time. Like everyone is constantly being introduced to <laughs> to people of different races and ethnicities and gender identities. And, um, I, I, uh, I don't think that at this moment in time, Ian's function in the story is to deliver some kind of diatribe on what it feels like or what it means to be non-binary, because it's not necessarily what the focus of the show is is. I think that Ian's inclusion in the world is the radical move for them. Um, And it's almost more powerful not to try to, you know, do anything with that, because the normalization of our existence is the most important thing. I mean, like, I am so tired of getting scripts that revolve around a coming out story for, uh, you know, a queer individual and that kind of being it will revolve around their relationship to their parents being, you know, strained or being positive. It's like this reward system, you know, that make other people feel good for <laughs> like being empathetic to this person. And it's almost more powerful just to see that person in the room and get to know them and be friends with them and their dialogue, not necessarily have it to have anything to do with their identity, um, which is what they've set up so far. And I know that, you know, there will come a time, there will come an episode where I'm sure we will dive into what it means to be trans or what it means to be non-binary, because how could you not? Um, But uh, as of now, that is, you know, not uh, coming into play because we have so much story and so many other things to to sort of work through, um, which is really fun and makes me feel very Good about an, uh, as an actor, because I just feel like an actor for once, you know, as, a, as opposed to similar to Sandman, like I felt like an actor who got to show up to work and play a part and play a character instead of having to, you know, go through the, the bells and whistles of being like, and now we have to, you know, introduce our audience to this concept and make them <laughs> feel comfortable with this kind of individual. And you're just like, or... Or we could all just show up to work and put on clothes and, and, and <laughs> deliver lives that have to do with the story. And, and once it has to do with the story, it's going to be wonderful and well worth, you know, uh, the payoff and the weight. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to eventually uh, get to a point where we get to talk about it. But for now, it's so great not to have to.
2: That's terrific. Now, I mean, you had mentioned um, getting dressed. Uh, one of the things that we see that uh, Ian holds in common with uh, Al is those fabulous outfits. So uh, yeah. carrying through on that, that part of the show.
4: Suit, that pink <laughs> suit. So good.
3: That. Yeah, there are, there are some great ones. Great looks.
2: <laughs> did you coordinate with the costume designer to nail down Ian's look or did they come at you and say, hey, this is what I got? <laughs>
3: It's always, I feel like it's always a blend of both. I'm very hands-on when it comes to costuming. I think that it's one of the most important aspects of character building for, you know, in my um, process. And so I really like to be able to be there from the start and sort of build the skin of the individual, the exoskeleton, because you know, so much of clothing is, is external representation of how an individual sees themselves um, or how they want to be seen. So it's always fun to think about, you know, like, what would this person wear? How would would that affect their day to day? And what does their closet look like? So we built a closet for Ian, where we just Mm -hmm. like, tried on hundreds of things and sort of very slowly, like, tried to, to figure out what are things that Ian would actually have? What would they wear? Um, and so a mix of it is balancing that with what, you know, a network thinks <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a late 20 something, you know, programmer might wear. So it's like it's always a million cooks in the kitchen and, and isn't always, you know, the easiest of processes. But between me and the designer, we are having a blast kind of just throwing a bunch of things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, but that pink suit is awesome. I think that now we're hitting the stride. I feel like episode, you know, five or six is right where i'm starting to be like yep this is where this is what ian feel like wears you know mm-hmm. um and and before then there are so many fun things and there's there will be many after that you know are, are definitely pops beyond what <laughs> <laughs> this person might like that it's very al adjacent you know he, he <laughs> wore some crazy stuff and in, in the best of ways
2: now, we can't wait to see you in the control room holding an old school hand link. And oh. we we know that uh, your time is limited. So um, are there any aspects of Ian that we haven't touched upon or of the story or the show that we haven't touched upon that you'd like to explore or any tidbits that you want to give away to eager fans?
3: No, you know I, it's it's hard when you're in the beginning of a of a thing. It's yeah, there's so little <laughs> that can be said, <laughs> but I hope that people really really enjoy the first episode and um, can go along, you know, for the long haul, go along with the ride. Because I, as someone who has a lot of experience now in just the last few years of adapting popular IP, um, I find the aversion to things continuing or things being reimagined into other mediums to be very shocking as a fan of stuff. Because when I was, you know, I, I still am a massive fan of a lot of the things that I was a fan of when I was a kid and, and a fan of newer, newer things that, you know, are, are, I don't understand the fear of having more of that thing because to me, it never ever would impact the original or my experience with, seeing you know quantum leap or seeing cowboy bebop or reading lord of the rings you know for the first time and the toxicity uh uh, the in in certain fandoms around like people of color and queer people kind of being included in those worlds has been so disheartening and shocking um considering we're in, you know, 2022 and I'm watching every TV show that's on right now in the fantasy and sci-fi space sort of grapple with the same like headlines and same conversations. We did it with Sandman. They're doing it to Lord of the Rings. They're going to do it to Quantum Leap. They're already doing it, you know, I'm sure to Quantum Leap. Um, and it's it just makes me sad because like, the you know, these these shows are about humanity and about empathy. Um, and this one in particular is about learning how uh, through walking through other people's shoes, um, it, it, the entire concept of Quantum Leap, the original, is built around the concept of empathy and kindness. Um, and so I'm really happy that we're going to continue that tradition. I think the world really needs it now. Um, I think that more optimistic shows like that should exist and more shows showing <laughs> the diversity of the human experience um, are, are should be deeply welcomed. But to anyone who is afraid of this new version um, or afraid of new versions of anything, I, I would just say it doesn't it, it should in no way impact um, your experience with, with this thing that you loved and with the original, you know, even if you don't like something or you don't like a character or a storyline, or you don't like the show at all, like that's okay. Then, you know, you will always have quantum leap. Like you will always have the first quantum leap. And that's so amazing. It's so cool. Um, and, uh, and so maybe just have fun and enjoy, uh, the fact that there's, there's more of it <laughs> and, uh, and and that would be yeah my best advice for anyone that wants to leap into it. Cause yeah, leaping in all of this with kind of a fresh perspective and, and, and you know, this l- release of the desire for something to a hundred percent be the thing that you need it to be, I think will be very helpful in everybody's ability to enjoy um, new adaptations of everything moving forward. Uh, you know, because like, yeah, we should, we should be encouraging more fun and creativity with things that we uh, enjoy and especially including, uh, a, a more wide, diverse range of voices being involved in those properties.
2: Wonderfully put. Well, thank you so much for being an integral part of carrying on the legacy of the show that we all love. And thank you so much for appearing on our show.
3: Of course, thank you for having me. I'm I, I'm very very excited for y'all to, uh, to to watch more episodes and sort of dive into it all. So thank you, thank you.
2: Guys, guys, how cool, how cool was Mason? I oh wow! <laughs> I was thinking about I I don't know Matt. I was thinking of you, but Albie too. I just love the part at the top of the interview where they were telling us when they were a kid how they would watch the special features of the DVDs yes, behind the scene when they, was were, fun. when they were learning to I act. I thought of you, Matt, and I thought of Albie especially, because Albie always talks about how, you know, that's the first thing he does when he yeah. watches. Yeah. So
4: <laughs> They yeah. they mentioned specifically, like, Jurassic Park and wanting to work in effects and stuff. And, like, yeah. I was just thinking about, I remember watching behind the scenes Jurassic Park stuff on tv and being fascinated i remember watching the bit about the foley work how they did Mm. the egg sounds and like yeah really cool so yeah that was really awesome part of the interview
5: yeah i love the view that they had on the 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 question i asked towards the end about the representation and how that was going to come out and
1: their answer
5: was basically it's not going to this this is it and it's and the answer that they gave I'm, i'm sure they've been asked that a million times before but it it was very, very natural, very intelligent. I was really super impressed by the answer.
4: Yeah, I uh, I meant to say something about it last time, but we just had to, we had a lot to talk about. That's one of the things uh, I've enjoyed about Ian's character in particular, because there's the, the representation as a non-binary person, but it's not the whole of their identity. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of shows kind of, they fall into this trap of they just make that, entirely their personality if they are non-binary or trans or gay or anything under that spectrum and then they don't give them anything else they don't allow them to be a character in their own right and i think that ian (laughs) right gets to be a character so i think that's really great
2: yeah i i'm I'm so glad that we're not seeing the usual TV bullshit of them shining a spotlight on a particular issue, so to speak, and doing a very special episode of Quantum Leap about the fact that Ian is non-binary and then completely <laughs> ignoring it for the rest of the series. We're just seeing yes. a person doing yeah. their job organically in yeah. the world like, like it is in the world. It's refreshing that they're able to take this approach to the character. I'm just so glad that they're doing that. I'm so glad that we were able to speak to Mason. They were so great, so generous with their time. Thank you so much, Mason, for uh, for coming on the show.
4: Yeah, thanks, Mason. Thank you. But
2: that's that's not all we got, guys. So, as, as promised, <gasps> we have the triumphant return of Susan Deal. Here's our interview with Susan. Welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast, Susan.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, so... I it's, it's so surreal to have you back here with us because in my mind, you've been involved with like the most significant moments in quantum leap history in the 21st century. Uh, when, when I first spoke to you anyway, you, uh, you were telling us about uh, the, well, we were telling you about the discovery of the lost ending of the original series. And uh, now you're reprising your role as Beth in the continuation series. So it's just like, if there's stuff happening with quantum leap, that's new. You seem to be somehow in the middle of, it, so,
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know it's quite a quite a thrill. I mean, I, I just so loved being a part of, of the show and working with Dean and Scott. Um, that was just surreal, and what an honor, um, and what a sad day it was when Dean passed. Um, mm-hmm. Just that, yeah. But, but what a, what an amazing actor, talent, human being. I mean, the two of them both of them had so much heart and I feel like that really came through so much in the show. They just gave of themselves as actors and you could really, I mean, both of them very emotional actors, which makes you really care about them. So um, as characters, but also just being able to work with them, it was such a, a joy and just an honor to see how they work. And, um, you know, Dean was just so subtle and and real and every time i see that scene with us i i still cry <laughs> i still do and it's almost it's a very strange thing to um yeah to be part of that and to still be moved by it i of course have the old the original georgia song that's the one that always gets me and i'm so mm-hmm. but i i have you know i have like a clip of, of it that i you know, I, I'm, I'm working on reels and things like that. And I'm just like, I'm going to have to put that on my IMDb because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just too darn good. To not have yeah. it on it's
4: beautiful. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. And I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, last weekend, after we got done recording the podcast, we had been talking about Quantum Leap all day. And um, I was just like, oh, what do I do? I sat down and I watched MIA and this was before we even knew that we were going to be speaking to you today, but I, I was just a mess at the end, of course, watching George I was just so, uh, that, you know, that connection that you had with Sam and Al and sort of that integral part of the DNA of the old show that you became, um, made Beth a very important character to so many fans and, we're also thrilled to see you returning to the role here in the new quantum leap. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the new series?
0: Well, they just, um, they contacted me and said, um, would would you like to audition for the part of Beth?
3: (laughs) Audition. Audition.
0: (laughs) How dare they? (laughs) Um, Well, I think the, the way that, she had been written was, you know, if you're doing the time correctly, that she would maybe be 70 because of when our episode was the, the time period that our episode was supposedly shot. Um, and so I think that maybe they were thinking she would be a lot older. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm 60 and I have graying hair and, um, you know, I, 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 plenty of wrinkles and things like that. So I, I, I'm not one of the Hollywood people who's had a lot of work done. So I actually look my age. So uh, maybe that was, maybe they had thought originally that they might need to have someone who's older. Um, but I was so, so thrilled when, when um, I got to the opportunity, knowing that I was going to get to play the part again, the role again. And um, yeah, so uh, that's how it happened. I auditioned for it and I was in Iceland at the time. So I had to put myself on tape in Iceland because my, um, my boyfriend um, lives in Iceland. So I spent a lot of time there. And so um, I had to put myself on tape there and, you know, he of course has his accent. So he's reading Ernie's part and uh, you know, with his, <laughs> I thought, Oh, well, I hope <laughs> it's going to be okay because uh, yeah. And so um, once they, cast me i they, my manager called me from la at, at like i don't know it must have been one in the morning and said oh yeah they need you here tomorrow <laughs> so <laughs> wow so i you know got got a plane gone and and basically uh was got to get, got to set the not next morning and and, and i was exhausted <laughs> and i had to you know had to do the COVID test and and do wardrobe and everything like that um but, uh, and I just went on set and <laughs> got to meet Ernie, who uh, was a wonderful man and actor. He was what what that he to me is like acting royalty. So I I was a little nervous to be working with him because he's just, you know, he's just a great actor and a really lovely human being. So that was uh, quite a treat.
4: That's awesome. Like, was, was there um, any talk about this being a recurring kind of role or was this just a one and
0: done or do you know anything about I did do another episode so Ah. there you know then and so I think it's kind of open-ended and um um I don't yeah I think I don't know yeah you must find out from this episode on Monday that uh Al and my daughter is a part of the storyline and um so she I think is going to be in several episodes. So, you know, I think she's going to have to talk to her mother and, you know, <laughs> at some point again. But yeah, we have a we have something that happens in the, the next week's episode, the following week episode. Um, and she's quite a fiery, independent uh, young woman who we have different ideas and opinions about what we should do with them. Well, I can't give a, too much of the plot, but... <laughs> this is enticing,
2: <laughs> 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 it's very exciting. But, it's very exciting.
0: Enough, I do know that I shot one other episode, unless they, unless for some reason they they change things and take me out of it. Um, yeah, I do know that I am in one other episode at least, and um, you know, I would love to, you know, go back and do it. Mm-hmm. I think that you know my character and Ernie's character were like contemporaries. We could, yeah, certainly they could use an older sage woman to mm-hmm. do something <laughs> Is this your pitch? Like if they're watching, like hey
4: <laughs> maybe recurring.
0: <laughs> I probably have all kinds of secrets that Al told me. And uh and maybe maybe even Scott Bakula's character, so they they might you know, they might need to get some information from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True. Well, relating to the scene that we got to see in the second episode, it was the the scene with you and Ernie in the driveway, and um I was very happy that we got to see Beth Calavici again, not sipping tea by the window surrounded by her calla lilies, but working under the hood of a muscle car. Like, what was that all about?
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't know if they were able to keep in the dialogue about what I said about that, but. Um, you know that's Al's car, and you know in, in the show he hasn't. It hasn't been that long since he's passed away, kind of like in real life. And I think that um, she she goes and kind of talks to him when she's working on the car. I think that, that now that and, and I don't know if that's still in the scene. It probably is not. <laughs> But I think that, um, it's a way to feel close to him and, and, um, you know, he taught her a lot of things. And I think I remember in the original episode, remember I had a flat tire and I was trying to change it myself. And then, um, Sam comes over and and helps me. And so I I think that she learned how to do these things and she taught her daughters how to do that things, those, those things as well. And, uh, so Going to the car helps her feel close to Al because I think it's still a huge loss for her him being gone. And I think that uh, yeah, you know he they, they changed the whole course of her history by um, by that scene, knowing that he somehow feeling his presence, and so they and then seeing the last episode where you realize that they they're still married they, and they had four daughters and um,
2: yeah yeah uh, that's that's amazing i'm so sorry yeah that that uh that little bit was cut out that character bit i hope it comes out and so maybe great. like uh, behind the scenes extended scenes or something yeah. because my god i'm welling up now just thinking about her talking about al in that capacity just watching m.i.a <laughs> just like mm-hmm. it would have been yeah. uh oh, producers yeah, I, I, we know you're I, listening put that back in
0: <laughs> I, I hope that i hope that's okay that i told that i don't know if um how that works but <laughs>
2: <laughs> when you were doing that one scene for that first episode that you appeared in, were you aware of the bigger story that was going on for for the, the arc of the season and how Beth and Al's daughter would be involved? Did that inform the way that you played the, the character, or approached the role?
0: Well, you know, the thing about um, these scripts is for myself, I, I got the one script. And I did refer to my daughter in the script, um, which I, I, I'm sure they're probably still keeping that in where he needs to find her. Um, so that was all the information that I that I had. And I didn't, you know, until I did the, the other episode, then I then I then I realized that she has more involvement. Um, but it, sometimes as actors, especially guest actors, you know, you just get the script and you're like oh, okay, this is what's happening now. And you don't really know the whole big picture of how it's going to unfold. Yeah. But I'm. I'm it's also so nice to see that Don and Deborah are still involved and in kind of overseeing the project since mm-hmm. it was their baby. And, and she's still playing um, Ziggy, the voice of Ziggy, which is, I think, very cool. Um,
5: yeah. It, it's interesting. You've you mentioned a couple of times, obviously, the sort of the the new plot line that that Beth has been thrust into and and what you picked up from the script. I'm interested from a character point of view, it has been 53 years. You've you've played Beth twice as a young woman in her twenties and suddenly she's 53 years older. All of this, this has gone past, regardless of the actual plot line. How did you, how did you approach to, how did you approach aging up a character like that?
0: Well, I mean, I, myself have aged, (laughs) <laughs> Over the past 30 years. Um, gosh, yes, that's how long it's been, right? Uh, or more. Um, so basically for me, I always go back to the love of Al. And, um, you know, when you watch the show and you watch him and, and Sam and all they go through and, and their rapport. And I think that I just, in, from watching the show, you know their relationship, and I, of course, watched and loved the show. So you feel like you know them. And so it's, um, it wasn't that difficult to just think about uh, he, he and I having had this whole full life and, and that he's, you know, this dynamic, quirky, fiery, wonderful, poetic person the way that he was. And so it wasn't such a reach because I think, and I think fans feel this too with any series. If they've watched, you know, the whole series, you do, they're like a part of your life. So it wasn't that difficult to just imagine, oh, wow, I've gotten to be with Al this whole time and we raised a family and, and you know, he was always, there, he was probably always still fiddling around with things and telling me some things and then telling me not. But I, I mean, I would imagine that I have a lot more secrets about things than uh, than other people, and I think that he would confide in me, especially once um, you know I couldn't find Sam. I think that was a big loss for him. I'm I'm imagining as a, as a person, as a human being, even though he's a you know a character. But I, to me, it's just it's I just tap into the feelings of the character, and uh, it wasn't it's not that difficult to imagine. It's, you know, we're always imagining as actors, we have to just create things and believe what we're doing in the scene at the time. And so, uh, it's not that difficult to just create a life of what it would have been like to, you know, be with him and, and Dean, the way he was, it's just, just so, so lo- lovely. And, um, it, you know, I could, I could imagine what, he, what he would have been like to be in, in a partnership with. Um, so, you just
2: create it. I'm sure it's it's also you have the luxury of having the history with with the characters to draw upon as well. So, I was just since you had mentioned that that last scene where you know that Beth and Al discussing Sam being lost, and I don't know if you know this because the last time we spoke to you, we had just done the special about Allison finding the negatives of the scene that That was um supposedly the last one that was never shot, and then shortly thereafter, I guess about a year later, we actually found the footage of that and right. uh, someone released it online
0: yeah it was mm-hmm. a footage, it was a footage of, of, of a rehearsal of us rehearsing it, okay.
2: okay. I was just wondering if you had heard any talk of them incorporating that into the new series, or if you can if, if you know and if you can tell us, I understand if you can't.
0: No, I don't, I don't know anything about, about that. Um, I just remember that day of shooting and then they, some, you know, some, somebody decided that they weren't going to do that. Um, maybe because they were leaving it open-ended. Maybe they wanted more mystery. Um, yeah, so we didn't, we didn't end up, uh, actually shooting it. We just had that, that rehearsal that was recorded. Somebody recorded it.
2: So that was a rehearsal because it sure looked it sure looked finished. I mean, for a rehearsal, the blocking was perfect. You guys, you guys nailed it. Well, I, I think everybody thought that was a final take.
0: Well, you know, it's been so long. I it, mm. I guess it is possible that I, for some reason I believe. Well, yeah, it could have been a take, and then then that was then they just said, "Okay, that's a wrap," or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's the. Theme- <laughs> television, especially as actors, you know, you don't know if you're going to end up on the cutting room floor for one reason or another. So I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm still in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, th-
4: I think one of the, one of the mysteries because that uh, final scene was not included uh, in mirror image was did Al still remember the project was uh, he still involved with Sam's life, all of this stuff. And I think um I mean, I know now with the new series, with you being in it, it's cool to know that that wasn't the case, that uh, he was still involved with Sam's life and that Beth knows about this stuff. It seems pretty implied in what you were speaking about that or your lines in the episode that Beth knows about the project, knows about Sam, knows about all of this stuff.
0: I mean, and I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I think in any marriage partnership. You know, you confide in each other. It's, your, you know, the person that you trust most. And I, I think that, of course, those two characters, Al and Sam, really, you know, they really, that was such a great partnership and they really trusted each other. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like that would be inevitable that, uh, that Al would confide in her. And, um, you know, she's not like this uh, tough, uh, She is she is who she is. And loved him dearly, but also in her own right, might have um some something to offer <laughs> to mm. team to what's going on to listen <laughs> sure.
2: It's funny to make that distinction Allison because because we've seen that scene, we found the negatives we saw the scene in our minds, Beth was always incorporated into the history after Sam changed Alan Beth's future. But this is the first time canonically that we see that Beth is still very much part of the whole Quantum Leap universe. Al didn't just go off somewhere and have a whole different life because he stayed with his first wife. She's just incorporated now into the lore and into the project. And yeah, it's neat now. We actually have confirmation of that. I never made the distinction because in my mind, it's a done deal. Of course, Beth is there. Of course, Beth is there. Why isn't she there? So it's <laughs> – it, Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, were there any other like little like character bits because I'm sorry, I'm eating this up now. The fact that they, they took out that little bit where you talk about the car and and about Al, were there any like other little character beats that they put in? Because that to me is just, that's what quantum leaps about.
0: Yeah. I mean, no. And I really, I did love that part of the scene. Um, because you're right that, that, you know the heart of those characters. I think that in that scene with the car, where she was just talking about that, to me that that's kind of like how this might have been something that Al would have said or done. Like I'm going to talk to my car because whatever. Um, so I, I I I felt like that was a really cool thing. Um,
2: yeah, and I know that there are NDAs and things like that that might be preventing you as well. So I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I I know we've been touching specifically on on that one scene. Are there um, any aspects of Beth's return that we haven't touched upon or like little tidbits that you can give us for foreshadowing um, that we have to look forward to? We're just thrilled that she's going to be back at all.
0: Well, I just think that she she knows a lot about the original project and that, you know, there just may be some some different things that um, Al might have kept. Maybe.
2: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Maybe not. I, Very well I don't. teased. <laughs> I,
2: I think Beth has a, a, a like a, a little safe in the house. That's got like the old style hand link and uh, <laughs> you know, the, the old project ID maybe, I don't know. It'd be pretty <laughs> neat to see.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps there's a whole, you know, warehouse of things. I have no. Idea. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do. I do like the fact that um, uh, that they that they brought the character back, and that you know that she may have some information. And um, I also I did I did like working with Ernie. It did feel like we had a relationship, even though he of course didn't play the original magic in the show. But um, I they felt there was a history there. And, of course, there would be because Al and I would have been married all this time. And so I would be, you know, um, meeting and knowing different people that were involved, I'm sure, because I, I can imagine, you know, Al's character, like having people over and you know, <laughs> um, just, I don't know, being very inclusive and um, also being very appreciative of the fact that we're still together, and including me on everything, even if I'm, you know, no longer um working as a nurse or, or mm-hmm. but just I I feel like and raising four daughters I feel like we probably we had a strong feminist viewpoint and um so I feel like that's that's probably a great a great thing.
5: You've <laughs> um you, you already mentioned the the kind of the the casting and production element was quite quite rushed you had to dash dash over there and, and film it but you had to have that history with magic did you have much time with Ernie in advance to prep or was it right on set do
0: it i did not but you know what happens is you get on set and you're like and how we're shooting it and we're doing your close-up and uh, you know and it's just like but then throughout the day you have time while they're you know, turning around, turning the camera around or where they're working on the lights or, you know, uh, sound or whatever. And so I did get to spend time um, talking to him. But it was the kind of thing from the moment I met him, I just felt like, oh, I felt a kinship with him. Now, it also could be because I've seen him in, in <laughs> many shows and so in movies and things. And so, you know, he has this natural essence of who he is, which is of a very, you know, kind, bright, um, family oriented person. He just has that. And he's, he's also a person who is just welcoming and, you know, kind of like just took me under his wing. Um, and was just, so I immediately just felt at home with him and I had like, it was like, Oh, I feel like I've known him a very long time. (laughs) It felt very natural. And, um, yeah, he's just a he's a really lovely human being. So that was that was quite a treat to get to work with him and have him be the person that I'm I'm acting with on that first day of shooting.
2: I think it was great to have the reintroduction of Beth um through the other legacy character from the original series. It'd be interesting if we could get a story about how Al and Magic met and how they became so close, how Magic because Technically, magic was just on a leap. Al was sort of there tangentially. Um, Al would have had to have, you know, sought him out. I think, and that—that's a whole different story. Um, when you got to reprise the role again, it, did you get to work with any of the other cast? Have you have you had scenes with uh, with any of the any of the main people back at the project?
0: No, I did not. Um, but there, there was a. There was there was somebody shooting scenes with um, magic, and now I, I can't remember her name. It wasn't the two, the, the two lead characters, the now Al and Sam, who are lovely, by the way. I, I from watching them, I was oh, they're terrific. Um, there yeah, wasn't Lee. Oh, maybe so. Yes. Well, um, and I, and so she was just there. We were just you know waiting for the lights or the, the camera. She was lovely. Yes, because they were going around. She and Magic were going around doing something. Um, that that, that yeah, sounds that like would her have been
5: character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know we she's in, in the same episode. Uh, Ernie and Nanrissa are walking around a very similar looking neighborhood. So we figure they're probably both being filmed at around about the same time.
0: Yes, yes. And she was quite welcoming and lovely. And um, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I, I, I just, I love, I love the, 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 that group of the, the new people. I think that they chose very well, um, and um, I'm, you know, being a big fan of the show, I'm, I'm excited to see how how it unfolds, what happens next, and uh, yeah. But I love I love Ernie being like the, you know, in part of it, and kind of overseeing things, and um, he just has this great paternal way about him. Uh, and and very strong and just solid. And so I feel like he's a great umbrella for all the rest of the characters who are a little younger and maybe more emotional.
2: (laughs) Well, it's terrific to hear. I'm glad that it was such a good experience. I'm glad that we get to see more Beth, that she's kind of built into um, not just the legacy, but the future of Quantum Leap. And uh, you've been so generous with your time we're so excited to see the character unfold thank you so much for coming back to the podcast susan and telling us about it
0: you're so so welcome i I mean i love the show and i loved it that you guys have a podcast and you're keeping it keeping the old show alive and now that you're supporting the new show because it's such a great premise i mean it's such a great premise and especially wanting to you know alter history for the better it just you know it's got a, a really positive message so I'm, I'm i'm really appreciative of you guys keeping, keeping it alive
2: <laughs> thank you very much
0: you're welcome you take care
2: isn't it wonderful just that we have like friends of the show now that
5: are on the yes. show and it's like
2: yeah. oh, you know we just have beth back on the show <laughs>
5: yeah. we're basically best friends <laughs> hey, you say that that was that was my first time you guys have, have met Beth. Uh, like, ah, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. We're best friends.
2: <laughs> Total best friends. But yeah, Susan was a, a, a delight, as always. And uh, it's fun to reconnect with her about the lost ending and and all of that when that went down. So, so yeah, thank you so much, Susan, for, as always, uh, being so generous with your time, for being on the show and uh, bringing the fans, you know, the new take on Beth. It's uh
5: Just uh, take on
4: Beth, take (laughs) on
2: Beth.
5: All the 80s music is going to be strong with this series.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming back, Susan. Thank you. So, yeah. So that is now three great interviews down on the second episode of uh, the new series. And we have more yet to come. We will be interviewing Raymond Lee. Who Woo-hoo! plays Ben. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yeah. So we got in touch with his people and uh, he graciously agreed to be on the show. And we will be bringing you that in a future episode. Hopefully the next episode of All Goes Well. So stay tuned for that. So, so much good stuff to come. So much good to s- stuff to come. And so much stuff, good stuff happening. By good stuff, I mean we have new patrons. Everybody give it Heck up. Heck yeah. For these new patrons. Now, this is the first time I've ever had to do this. Our our first new patron is Al's Place Quantum Leap fan page. So thanks, obviously, <laughs> Al's Place Quantum leap, page. That's obviously <laughs> Ooh, Brian. Al's
5: Place, leap, page.
2: Brian Green. Yeah, I think it go, he goes by Brian these
5: yeah, days. Yeah, goes by yeah. Brian these
2: days. But he's they're, <laughs> they're donating his Alice Place. So I guess maybe they're they're doing it through the Alice Place website for us. But sure. Thank sure. you, Alice Place. Thank you, Brian Green, who has been yeah, basically the standard bearer for Quantum Leap, um, yeah. along with our podcast. But the Alice Place yeah, site—he's
4: been plugging the heck out yeah. of our podcast. He's been plugging thanks, the, the
2: heck out of the podcast, and his Alice Place site is still the premier online destination Mm. for everything Quantum Leap. The history of Quantum Leap.
4: He he just put up like a, a long list of the music that's included. Um, he put up like a, a hundred something screen grabs of the pilot. So if you guys are looking for screen grabs, you can find them
2: there. Yeah. So yeah. thanks, Brian. Uh, the page has decided to support us at the three dollar Quantum Leap podcast book club level, and uh, that means that I will be sending Brian or the page, Brian, you got to let me know where you want it to go. <laughs> <laughs> the bookmark that comes with being a three dollar supporter. It is a Quantum Leap Podcast bookmark with all of the novels listed on the back. We will eventually be getting back to our novel reviews uh, when the show goes on hiatus. So everybody, if you want that nifty bookmark, you can support us on Patreon at the $3 level. Uh, But Brian isn't the only one that uh, has uh, come into the fold. We also have a new $20 producer supporter. His name, right? His name is Mike Covert. So Mike Thank you very much for coming in, coming in, swinging, swinging big, swinging heavy. As a producer, you will get your name in the credits of each show. So listen for that as well. You will get an Oh Boy interview by me. Access to all of our bonus uh, content. I think we have something like 25 hours and growing of bonus content available. And um, you'll also get your bookmark. And here's your shout out on the show. So. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming in and supporting us in such a big way. I know that um, you might be new to the podcast. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And uh, we're just happy to welcome everybody on board. Thank you to all of our new and uh, ongoing patrons. We couldn't do it without
5: you. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yay! So, I mean, this is where we usually do feedback and we've gotten sort of a bunch of feedback. Uh, In general, the feedback has been, you know, somewhat mixed, but mostly positive. I think people are mainly pointing out a lot of the stuff that we pointed out, the breakneck pacing, sort of the heavy lift that the uh, pilot had to do in establishing the Mm -hmm. universe and the characters and just bringing so much all at once. But there was a Facebook follower who I want to highlight. Her name is Cynthia Hughes, and she left this comment. It was better than expected. Adding Al's daughter to carry on his work was a fantastic touch. They honored Sam and Al and the dedication to Dean Stockwell at the end. It checked all the boxes. It left a little wiggle room in case they find Sam, and Scott decided to make a cameo once in a while to give his baby some intrigue, momentum, and hope. I guess his baby is Ziggy? That's the one. (laughs) Mm.
4: I think they mean, you know, Quantum oh. Leap
2: is Scott Bakula's
4: baby, not... Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> uh, I
2: knew you guys would okay. be able to decipher that for me. But
4: he's got the baby Ziggy. Yeah, baby Ziggy.
2: Baby Ziggy. She finishes...
4: Make your dreams come true.
2: <laughs> she finishes up by writing, Ben's character was very good. The whole cast is good. Just stick to the formula. No stupid stuff like Evil Leapers. Excited to see more.
4: What's <laughs> wants the Evil Leaper. I wouldn't mind the Evil Leapers if it was goofy and they showed up and they're like, delicious. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray.
5: Got to be British and evil. Yeah, but I
2: think uh, uh, <laughs> Cynthia's comments uh, were reflective. It was generally a very positive, upbeat vibe on the facebook page and i was so happy to see it because you know with this kind of stuff we've been encountering nothing but negativity in in a lot of forums and um that's just the nature of fandom these days it's good that quantum leap fans are on board and and they're they're liking what they see
4: yeah they want it to be successful just the same as us yeah
2: Yeah. i did
4: want to point out real quick Mm -hmm. (laughs) this did not get mentioned in the last podcast but i have to mention this The picture of Al that they (laughs) used in the pilot is from McHale's freaking Navy. (laughs) They had plenty of high resolution photos of Dean Stockwell in that dress uniform, but they went with McHale's Navy, (laughs) where he's kind of mugging in the. I knew his expression seemed off. It's because he's doing a muggy face because it's a comedy. And he's not even an admiral; he's a captain. You can see from the boards on his shoulders, he's a captain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm dying at this McHale's Navy Al. <laughs> they're
2: gonna they're gonna fix that in the special edition DVD release.
4: I hope so, but I kind of lo- it it makes me laugh. <laughs> this is Mikhail's this... Navy And they're so serious about it They're like, it's Al, the ring It belongs to Al, and then the platoons And then Janice and Tudut And you're looking at Mikhail's Navy
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Will you get over it, Allison? Are you going to be okay?
4: No, I will never be over <laughs> Mikhail's Navy, Al I will never this be the just same gonna again This is going to go down in history <laughs>
2: Well, I it's it's funny because we've also gotten some, you know, I guess that that could be uh, a, another point for people to comment on. Did you know out there, listeners, that it was the McHale's Navy photo? How did you come to that, Allison? Did you? You, something seemed off and you started doing like a deep dive like a web search or something?
4: I feel like when I saw it 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 flicked across my mind that that might have been it but then I was just like I was overwhelmed by all the other stuff so it just kind of left my mind. It did not look like a Quantum Leap picture to me though. Um, One of my friends uh, we mentioned her before on the podcast Kelsey. We uh, read some feedback from her in the uh, Private Dancer episode. Right, right I uh, She time. noticed it because she's a huge Dean Stockwell fan so she was like yeah I know where this is from and then <laughs> she up the promo picture. <laughs> sure. It's so funny. So yeah, thanks, Kelsey.
2: Yeah. All right.
5: So Kelsey's. Oh, a- she
4: does the uh, the quantum leap analysis on Tumblr. Matt's used uh, her yeah. info
5: for her for his book. So yeah. Oh yeah. Very she's, familiar with her. She's all over the minutia.
2: All right. Well, I mean, it, I, that's an interesting observation. I it doesn't really make much of a difference to me. I mean, to me, <laughs> I'm sorry. To, I didn't notice. I'm that I'm that one that they they if say no one's going to notice me. That's me. Yeah. yeah. I'm their target I, audience.
5: <laughs> I noticed it wasn't a quantum leap photo, just because we we we've seen all the photos of him so many times. So that kind of took me out for a moment. Like, where did they get that from? <laughs> but I have no idea what Mikhail's Navy is, so it didn't it didn't have that same impact.
2: It was a dumb comedy movie from the '90s that was a remake of a dumb TV show from the '60s. Yeah,
5: yeah
4: I gotta yeah. watch this now. You, I gotta see it. No. You know what? No, it's, it's effectively a, it's a great quantum muggy leap. performance. You could tell Dean Stockwell is having a great time doing that it's not a good movie
5: but it's kind of like it's just very watchable because like what is anyone doing is is it possible at some point al Calavici went undercover and changed his name for a little bit can can we, can sure. we canonize this Why not? there's this twitter account <laughs> called ziggy underscore
4: irl that like just tweets in character as ziggy and they were like tweeting about this like they're like oh sorry did i tell you about all the changes in admiral Ca- i mean captain Calavici's timeline <laughs> Oh, it's very funny.
2: Uh, All right, getting back to feedback yeah, we still have some more. and uh, I wanted to touch upon because it was just funny we got we got some emails from fans as well. and um since uh, Cynthia in the Facebook comments said that they left a little wiggle room to find Sam and if Scott decided to make a cameo, we know that's unlikely based on a press release that that Scott did right before right before the show went to air. But anyway this 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 came in before that and I, I still like the theory. Uh, there's a listener named Charles Sustek. Uh, he emailed this theory Uh, Alison. why don't you take this one
4: hi all love the podcast i wish i discovered you guys long ago my first exposure was your interview with deborah pratt in the spring i've loved this show since it was first broadcast and it's clear you all love it too on scott have we confirmed that the new series he's working on is real (laughs) could filming (laughs) could filming for that have been cover or and it was actually for ql I believe the new show features cowboy slash horseback riding. Could this be connected to the cowboy imagery from the QL promos? Looking forward to your weekly coverage for the new episodes. Charles. Thanks, Charles. No, absolutely (laughs) (laughs) not. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. This is (laughs) this conspiracy stuff. There's more conspiracies coming from the fandom than in the show at the moment. (laughs) Uh, This this was real. Charles has a thumb
5: drive.
1: It's encrypted.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I
5: don't.
4: (laughs) It would be a terrible way for them to promote the show if Scott Bakula, right as they're doing the like Critics Association panel and stuff like that to say like, I'm not involved, but good luck. I think that it would be a bad way to promote it. No, we know that the show that he was doing was real and they passed on it. I think we've been seeing pictures of them filming the cowboy episode currently. So it would be super early for them to be filming anything if he was doing something for that
2: yeah and and as i said in charles's defense uh this letter came into our inbox before all of this went down before we we got that announcement so i just thought it was an oh, interesting it was an oh, okay. interesting theory so yeah yeah,
4: yeah. yeah no, charles I, I this is not this is not me trying to make fun of you i think like there's just like uh, everyone has like their
2: own little theory about what's yeah. going on i i still think it's a ruse i still think we're gonna see sam i don't know why just call me optimistic I, i'm a cock-eyed optimist i just really think they're playing a long game here so that's why i included this because i just want to get at this i i i don't think i've, I've written scott off yet i think we're gonna see it. i think we'll see him yeah but when he when
5: scott changes his mind
4: yeah i don't think there's any ruse going on or that he's gonna suddenly appear in uh in an episode after saying he's not going to i think eventually he will if the show keeps going, you know, like if they they continue to a full season and a second season, I feel like he he might come around. We know from what he said he was meant to be in the pilot. He was obviously not in the pilot. So I don't think there's like some secret thing going on there. And I don't think it's a very good way to advertise the show if it was supposed to be like I'm not in it and i'm I'm never I'm not involved in any capacity, but best of luck to
5: you. Uh, I think like that would be just a bad idea no uh just uh if it comes to it just deep fake him you know we we had that fake we had that end uh, that ending of one of the seasons of mandalorian i, I don't know i haven't been, been following it that much where mark hamill in inverted commas uh suddenly showed up and it obviously wasn't mark hamill just some dude we're, with deep like a cg sam shows yeah, up and yeah he's yeah, just just,
4: like just, hey what's up <laughs> Some guy
5: that's about the same size and as as Scott Bakula was in 1993 just stood there and uh, with dots on his face and uh, they'll they'll work out yeah. that All right. we we probably don't have Star Wars budget here though that's the only thing.
4: No. The the Joe Montana deepfake is about the level (laughs) they got. (laughs) I don't think there's any bad blood going on. I think like Scott Bakula has his own reasons for saying no, whatever they are. But I don't think there's any like bad blood going on. I I think like the possibility is still open. Deborah Pratt certainly alluded to in the um, interview that we did that she wanted him to do some movies or something. And at that point... They had already filmed the Vancouver pilot, so she had to have known that he'd turned down the show at that point. So it's possible they're still working on some things. It's just uh, he didn't want to be involved currently with what they're doing. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. All right. I mean, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I just I just I'm still holding out hope. So. I'm sure that I'm sure. not alone in that. And uh, thank you, Charles, for sending that email. I, I know it's a little outdated, but yeah, it was fun. So, yeah. well, thank you, Charles, for responding. Thank you also to Cynthia for responding. If you out there would like to be like Charles or like Cynthia and send us your thoughts, they are amazing ways that you can contact us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can drop us a line at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quantum leap pod and you can also find us on youtube at youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast i just want to go back to uh instagram for a second i did a a shot of caitlin holding the uh the new handling uh that raymond's and i posted it on ours that raymond posted it then i took it and i posted it on ours and i put a little bit of text on it and stuff and caitlin retweeted it so we're basically best friends with Ah. caitlin too (laughs) Yay, Caitlin!
5: So or, nice. Or she shared yeah, it in her
2: story, che- not retweeted. It's Instagram, right? So
4: yeah, yeah, shared it in her story, and she said Any time. anytime,
2: anytime. so know, we
4: were like, thanks for being on the podcast, and she's like, anytime. So yeah, yeah, it's like oh, so squee- cool. Squee- she's so nice. Squeeze. squee. squee- Good. Yeah, fan. I feel it. Can we have her back every week then? <laughs> absolutely the caitlin after show uh, exactly yes <laughs> she uh yeah uh, by the way speaking of actor after shows uh the after show is gonna continue uh going on on youtube with albie and a special guest every week uh do we know who's going on
2: with him i, I, for I believe Atlantis? i believe it's brian green the brian yes. green Heck yeah yeah and uh is hayden, awesome. hayden might so be on this one check too. that out yeah, i think hayden might be on this one so, in addition to that, um, you'll see the uh, video interviews with Mason, the video interview with Susan, and in addition to those, you will also see an exclusive interview with Jose Zuniga, who played Commander Reynolds in the episode. And that interview was conducted by a certain Matt Dale,
5: I believe. And he was <laughs> such a cool guy. had a had a ton of stories. Spoke at length about the production of the episode. It was it's a really wow. interesting interview. Um, Can't wait really to listen. To talk to him. Yeah. It's going to be great
2: to watch. So go on over there when you're done listening here. Uh, you can find the link to the YouTube channel in our show notes. Click right through and watch all the great stuff that Albie's doing over there with Brian this week. And uh, these interviews are terrific. I saw some of the Mason interview, the way they cut it together. Great stuff. Great stuff. So uh, speaking of great stuff, I think we have we have some great stuff uh, coming up. Uh, what what What's what's our next episode, man?
5: It's uh, episode three. Episode three. We're, we're- Moving along fast now. Uh, someone up there likes Ben. Keep your hands up! Why are you looking
4: at
1: me? You just want to keep your eyes open. Wait a second. Don't much of the Muslim, let's understand it, okay? I- <laughs>
5: So next week, Ben leaps to flashy 1970s Las Vegas and into the body of promising young boxer Danny Hill on the eve of a big title fight. Ben and Addison must help Danny win the fight or lose everything. Magic, Ian and Jen dig into Ben's past to uncover the truth. Ooh, After intrigues. true, we joked about uh, Sam learning how to box in like a week... Um, judging by the trailer Ben's going to learn how to box in 24 hours so it's good, good stuff (laughs) I just
2: want to see Sister Angela where's Sister Angela? (laughs)
5: Yeah.
4: Is this going to be the episode where they establish he can leap outside his lifetime? because 70s most certainly is before his lifetime we'll see
5: he's he's not in his mid-40s
4: yeah, I mean, I find it kind of hard to believe that he went back as far as 85 because that'd make him, what, 37? I guess he could be 37,
2: but Listen, I just hope he wears the same bell bottoms that Scott wore in episode three of the original <laughs> series in Right Hand to God. It, it looks like you were talking about you the think, naked we, now. I mean, we're now the third episode of each Quantum Leap has to be a boxing episode.
4: <laughs> oh, man, that's a, That's another stock plot you got to win me over on. I think Quantum Leap did it excellent, but there are a lot of bad boxing plots also. Uh, But this one looks fun. It looks like kind of a more comedy based episode from what we've seen, uh, which will be interesting to see. It'd be kind of funny if Ben starts the leap to to differentiate himself from Sam. He's like, I love the 70s. 70s is great. (laughs)
2: That would be cool. So I can't wait uh, to go a few rounds, see what I did there with you guys on that episode. (laughs) Until then, I have been Christopher D. DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren Space production.
4: Hi, Alby. Hi, Albie. Hi, Albie. Hi, Hi editing, I'm... Albie. Make sure to
2: put all the embarrassing stuff we say about burping on Mike at the very end. But... <laughs> I
4: was kind of
5: burping again. Oh, time. not again.
4: I'm just I, I just drink soda before this to wake myself up, so it's just Burp City.
5: Gotcha. Mm, <laughs> Fair enough. I'll do some farts, some uh, good British farts.
2: And so, yeah, the, the blooper reel is going to become redundant after a while.
5: Yeah, uh, they're redundant. going to be like, "Why are there blooper reels?
4: Always about burping and farting. Is this what this podcast is?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matt, I've I've always thought of you as a British fart. So,
4: <laughs> thank you, you walked, you walked into that one. <laughs> is it like a is a British fart kind of like, an American fart's like, and then a British fart's like. <laughs>
5: Well, funnily enough, that my, that that actually better describes the difference between my farts and Sharon's farts. Sharon does Sharon very much does what you would describe as an American fart. Um, I am far more oh, of the uh, oh, the quaint little um uses the little cheek sneak. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and the words cheek sneak have debuted on the Quantum Leap podcast. I've never heard that expression. You don't before. know, going to choose to include this. Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. He might put it up top. <laughs>
5: The, the best thing is, Sharon doesn't listen to this podcast, but we have mutual friends that do. So, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, dude, you're going to be in deep shit. I know. I'll find out on like Wednesday, Thursday.
2: I've
5: <sighs> got cookies now. All right.
4: <laughs> oh, man, you got cookies? I'm going to get a cookie. Whoa. Everybody, mm. eat your Quantum cookies. cookie break.
5: They're really good.
2: <laughs> I don't have any cookies. They're all downstairs. <laughs> I'm eating nutter butters. Oh, those, I, those are Laura's favorites.
5: Wow. I don't
2: like peanut butter cookies.
5: Okay. And I do need to take another bite of cookie. They're just no- sitting here being hot. <laughs> <laughs> like me.
2: Ow! I don't know what that noise was, but... <laughs> it, yeah, it's frequently women have that reaction to me.
4: <laughs> it was like, it was like an ow, and then it turned into... Oh. Uh-huh.
2: You're all, you're all flustered, I'm Confused. sure. Confused. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Ooh. Fanning myself off.
2: So anyway, I'll be cut all that.
5: All right, now I'm eating cookies.